Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome in. Welcome to everybody watching on Twitter. Uh, eventually, thanks to Restream for all the fantastic help over the last 44 minutes. And uh, welcome in week nine of the NFL season. Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, Mark Cockrell, Michael McQuaid. Uh, good to be back, boys. Uh, everyone kept the shit going. I loved how Scott Pioli, uh, Colin, mentioned my name, even though I literally wasn't there. That's the impact that you have, Michael. It's, know, uh, it's it, tra just... it transcends your mere presence, and it just it's out there in the ecosystem. How's it form, Brian? Good. Yeah, all good. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to uh, an interesting show. We've got, I believe, thirteen games, twelve games to get through, another packed schedule this weekend, and some again, as we always say, some intriguing games. And who's going to cause the shocks this weekend? Because. We certainly didn't see some of the ones that came last weekend with the Jets in particular beating the Bengals. Mark, I think we're going to be here at about 3 a.m. That's what worries me, Michael. Starting the live show at quarter to 11 at night, but uh, sure, it's for the love of the game, and at least it can't be as bad as draft night. But uh, look, Michael, you know, we, we just got over the uh, free agents, sorry, the trade deadline, and thought, yeah, finally, the NFL news cycle can take us a, a bit of a break. And Jesus, has it not taken a break since with some of the other things coming up, which I'm sure we'll touch on. But as Brian said, look, 13 games, great slate of games ahead. Last week was upset weekend. Who knows what we're going to have in front of us this week? Here was me going to mention all the news this week and also a game in Ireland as well, Mark. But look, I'll not. I'll not keep you waiting too much. If you're listening in the podcast, thanks for listening. Also, you can join our new fan club, irishnflshow.com slash fan club. There might be something important going out on Thursday. Keep an eye out on your emails if you do. Thank you to everybody that has. Let's let's get straight into it while I try and get these technology issues going on the other side. Colin, Vikings 3-4 and four going up against the Ravens 5-2. and two. Uh, How do you see that game going tomorrow? Well, um, both sides coming off, I suppose, disappointing performances. The thing about this Viking side is it doesn't seem to matter who they're playing. They they always keep it close. So whether they are playing the Super Bowl 29, uh, 49ers or the 0-16 Lions, I think it would be uh, a, a game that was in one score because that's just how this Vikings team is. You you don't know what to, to make of them. Last week, they were incredibly disappointing, especially on offense. They never really got going at all. We had talked in the preview about Diggs versus Jefferson. Well, Diggs clearly won that battle. And I think what's going to be very interesting about this one is Marlon Humphrey, because Marlon Humphrey is a two-time Pro Bowl corner. But Marlon Humphrey has, um, la well, not last week, though, it was the bye week. The week before against the Bengals, he was all, oh, let's see, gave up 227 yards um, when he was the closest defender, which apparently, according to Next Gen Stats, is the most since they started compiling statistics. Uh, we also uh, saw him, now they won the game, but Javante Williams uh dragged him for 20 yards uh, or earlier in the season. So definitely he's been up and down. Really interested to see how he'll go against either Jefferson or Thielen. Um, interested as well to see what the Ravens do. We've talked about they like to blitz a lot, but Cousins is brilliant against the blitz. So are they going to look to dial that back? Uh, that, that I think will be really, really interesting. I think, though, 
for the the Ravens, it's all about the the ground attack because that's a great way to get at um, this Vikings. Um, they they did okay against the Cowboys, but the Ravens are a very different beast when it comes to rushing the ball. It's Lamar. It's all. It, it comes at you from all angles, and I think losing Daniil Hunter is an enormous loss. So to me, I'm going to go with the Ravens, but it's going to be uh, another close one. I was very high in the Vikings going into that Cowboys game last week, whether Dak played or not. And again, I was left unfounded by what I saw coming from Zimmer's offense. It's funny, having reflected on the game, uh, the first three weeks of the season, they were averaging 29 points a game. The remaining games since they've been averaging 20 points a game. So I should have picked up on that, that they just, they've kind of dropped off slightly from what we saw at the start of the season. And they're going up against, as you said, they're going up against a, an offense with a run game, you know, across the board. And Amar is well, well included in that. And, 200 plus yards throwing 50 plus yards per game it's difficult to see how the vikings can get a win and you know we joked on it last week and mark says it every week this vikings team never backed them because you just don't know what you're going to get from them but i think i know what i'm going to get from them in this game i'm going to get a team that will play well stay in the game to the fourth quarter and then the ravens will pull away and win the game the ravens are going for 12 wins in a row against nfc teams i don't see it changing i think the ravens will have enough well, you're talking about patterns there, Brian, and for the degenerate gamblers amongst us, <coughs> Brian, um, Minnesota has actually won, uh, sorry, has actually been on the over in their last three away games. They don't only just put up points, you allude to, but they give away a fair amount of points as well, which helps in terms of the over mark. You say that you can't see how they're going to win this. I, I'm going to give you two words. Derided as he is, Kirk Cousins. Um He's only had two interceptions this year. He's a 73% pass completion rating. I mean, we always feel like Kirk Cousins is that, you know, the guy's almost good enough to get you to a certain point. It's like, I don't know, um, a boyfriend you have for girls in their early 20s, but you know you're never going to marry him type of thing. It's only so good at a certain point. But the Vikings married him early on when they gave him the first ever fully guaranteed multi-year contract in the NFL. And we kind of went, oh, is this going to change the game for quarterbacks? Didn't really, but it also meant that he was uncuttable, untradeable, and immovable for the last while. So he can do it with Thielen, with Jefferson, with all the weapons they've got. But yes, Brian, I do always say it. You can never, ever bet on these Vikings one way or the other. Because even if we then bet on the Ravens, somehow they'll go, okay, well, we're going to turn up this week. We're going to wipe them out on offense. We're going to find a way to stop the run game. So, yeah, flip a coin, basically. For me, I do think the Ravens' run defense is going to be impossible to stop. I worry a little bit about their secondary, but we're worried about their secondary in other games where their running offense has actually been sufficient to carry the day. If the Vikings got a lead... You know, early 14 0, 21 0, and you know, the Ravens had to throw the ball a bit more. Maybe that would be their path to success as occurred for the Vikings in a couple of big wins earlier on this year. But I just can't see it. Ravens for me as well. Mark, you said uh, Cousins can bring you to a certain point. Yeah, that point is probably the five yard line with three minutes to go against the Cowboys last week and can punch a touchdown and to win the game. So, him or Lamar with three minutes to go to win a game for you, I think. Anyway, Majority will pick Lamar. It's 10.51 p.m. Uh, not feeling great. I haven't been on all week. 
I'm just going to pick the Ravens, boys. I, I just can't even start to talk about Mike Zimmer and the, and the, and the Minnesota Vikings. I'm going to pick the Ravens. Uh, I don't even think this will be close. But then again, I picked the uh, the Jets to win on Thursday night. So I think we'll just leave it at that. Uh, let's see if this graphic works. It does. Game two. Panthers hosting the Patriots. Both these teams, four and four. And obviously, you've got the second coming of Mac Jones. You've got Sam Darnold. We don't really know what's going on there. Colin, what's your thoughts on this game? Um, I think I do know what's going on with Sam Darren. It's not going anywhere. It's um, <laughs> he he tried to get Roby Anderson murdered last week, um, like ridiculous. I mean, Brady has talked about how the owner should be on the QB to look after their offensive players. The, what he did, Roby Anderson last week. Uh, he, he's lo- he's lucky Roby Anderson was slow getting up because otherwise he could have gone straight for him. Darnold may not play in this game. He's passed uh, concussion protocol, but apparently he has a shoulder injury. Whether that's um, because he doesn't want to see ghosts again, I'm not sure. But Stefan Gilmore will be there, and this is probably a bigger revenge game for him. He's talked about it. So that's, I think, um, an interesting one. Um, Christian McCaffrey has been activated, though whether he starts is a game-time decision. What I would say is I, I expect both teams to endeavor to take the run game away from their opponent. And if you're asking me if both the teams were successful, do I back Mac Jones or do I back Sam Darnold or PJ Walker? Uh, Mac Jones all day, every day. Um, he has proved uh, that he is more than capable. Uh, I think he's been very good. Uh, I, you know, he certainly he's performed the best of all the rookies, you would have to say. I know Trevor Lawrence has flashed, and I really like Trevor Lawrence, but consistency is uh, is Mac Jones, and, and that's what he does. The, the, the Panthers, one of their strong points is the pass rush, but the Patriots just don't give it up. Um, and I, I think uh, Matt Juden has eight sacks, and the, the Panthers have given up 28 uh, to me, I I just think um, the uh, the hoodie has uh, found a way um, by throwing a whole load of cash and uh, finding a, a decent QB. But you'd have to say, while the Patriots' defense isn't quite the P- Patriots' defense of old, it's very good, and I think that they are going to five and four. Very good indeed. Top 10 defense. In fact, two teams, despite the Panthers' drop-off over the past few weeks, kind of got it back together against an inconsistent Falcons team. Two top 10 defenses. Panthers are winning games when they don't give up more than 14 points. That's that's the, the key point for them. They need to that defense needs to step up. And you're asking me, similar enough, Colin, which defense do I do I trust more? I, I actually still trust the Patriots more. And I, I think having what we saw from them last week going into LA in a game that a lot of people didn't expect them to win, maybe with the exception of Mark Cockrell, who picked the Patriots to win. Maybe that was hard overhead. But uh, they seem to be moving in the right direction, as opposed to a Panthers team that I felt were on the slide. And they were fortunate last week to play again against a team. Like the last point I made against with that Falcons Panthers game last week was you just can't trust this Falcons team. And we saw it last week. Um, yeah, Sam Darren not potentially not playing is a big factor in the game. Walker, who was in the XFL, will come in. He just doesn't look, to, you know, he doesn't look to it in the NFL. For me, so fam, sorry, one more point. Family game. Michael Lombardi's two sons are involved in this game, both on, on opposing sidelines. So it was a very enjoyable podcast that he put out this week about how he's sending his wife to the game and he's going to stay at home. But I think his wife is going to see the Patriots win this game and Patriots win comfortably. 
And Brian, I was going to make that point about Lombardi, and I was going to talk about Judon getting eight sacks. It's always great going last on this. But look, um, you mentioned about the uh, Sam Darnold ghost. It's also worth noting that the so-called boogeymen that played in that 2019 game were reunited subsequently. Hightower, Collins, uh, Van Noy, they're all back at the Patriots now, and they've got that added pass rush from Judon, etc. Um, so they'll be excited about the the re rejigging of that. But I, I agree with Colin, like, Gilmore's reuniting with this game and this team is probably more worrying from a Patriots perspective than anything. Nailed on to have an interception. Yeah, he, he wants to win it. He knows the offense. He's played against them enough. He'll recognize and diagnose things a lot quicker, and that will be helping this Panthers team significantly. Look, Damian Harris has been a nice little run. I think he's on for his fourth or fifth game, fifth game in a row with 80-plus rush yards, four games in a row with a touchdown. Uh, Hunter Henry's been getting touchdowns, if not a ton of yards and things like that. So some of those pieces on the Patriots offense have been clicking. Um, obviously, he had his own reunion game back against the Chargers last week, which him and Adrian Phillips uh, enjoyed significantly. Um, two quick things on Carolina. They did beat up on two rookie quarterbacks earlier on in the season. That defense really playing well against them. So perhaps they're looking to, to keep their rookie scalps all going together. And they did this week reactivate CMAC back to the active roster. Like how healthy he is, whether he's ready to take an active part in the game, that'll be a key question uh, in relation to it. But it's an inflection point for both teams. Both of them still can have reasonable wildcard hopes if they win this game and start to maybe go at least five and four, six and three. They probably want to go six or three or seven and two over the last nine games to make it into the playoffs. Um, but to do that, these are the games you've got to win. Um, I, again, I think the Patriots are starting to build something. I am worried about that Panthers defense. I'm very worried about Stefan Gilmore, uh, but I will take the Patriots to win it far closer than Brian expects. Um, Mac Jones actually beat uh, four road wins in a row. Uh, four road wins in a row if you get to this as well. So that's not bad for a rookie, Michael. If you're going last, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? In in this situation, I'm happy. I'm going last at two minutes past eight IST or Ireland Autumn time, whatever the hell time zone it is here. Uh, Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey are both cleared to play tomorrow. So all Sam Darnold has to do is now this is the ball, right? Here you go, Christian. Here you go. I don't know if Christian McCaffrey will play all the snaps. He probably won't. He might get 40 or 50% of the time. That plus a Gilmore factor gives me a... Uh, oh, I don't want to jinx myself. It gives me a Panthers win by a field goal against uh, well, what, is, what is looking now like a resurgent Patriots team. be nice to see the Patriots lose tomorrow and go 4-5 and see uh, see what Big Bill has to say. And Yeah. But yeah, no, I, Sam Darnold's been cleared to start per Schefter. So... Uh, Maybe it's a revenge game, like you know, just in the sense of he wants to prove prove everybody wrong. I don't know. It's okay, right? We're 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 getting through these games really well, like honestly, really really well here, boys. This game's on Sky on Sunday. Brown's four and four. The team uh, with all the issues at the minute, uh, outside of all of that, and the Bengals five and three. Bengals going into last week five and two get beat by the Jets. Who the hell seen that coming? Did anybody here pick the Jets last week? No. 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 Um well first off trying to take all was a surprise, Michael. Well, I just couldn't believe it when it happened. 
taking a lot into account, who wins today? But Colm, it's been it's been a crazy week for you know for the for the Browns off the field as well, hasn't it? Yeah, look, it's it, it's probably been coming for some time and all obviously came to a head, but it's it's a nightmare, I think, for the Browns because I think it's kind of divided the dressing room. And there have been all sorts of stories this week. And uh, Jarvis Landry came out and called um, Odell one of the best teammates ever. I um, read a good story on uh, ESPN, which talked about the the work that Odell had put into winning players around, going around sitting with different groups in the canteen, buying everybody sneakers, just um, you know going out of his way. Then obviously his dad puts up the video um josh johnson likes the video uh he also says that he he thinks that 99 percent of the guys would would want him in the in the locker room you've steve smith calling out mayfield saying he's not a very good um qb and that's the reason that odell is moving on it's 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 not exactly ideal, especially when Baker is somebody who seems to spend so much time focused on social media and what people are saying. So it's going to be really interesting, right? This was the season where the Browns, we all talked about, they, they had such a great roster and they it was it was supposed to be set up. Uh, but it hasn't worked that way. I mean, they, they sit in four and four, but they've been disappointing. Um, and I saw a good tweet from Seth Walder, who we had on the, the show, um, who said the Browns have the highest pass block win rate in the league, yet Baker Mayfield has the 9.1% sack rate, third highest in the league. That's a bad number for the QB. And that really is. So this is, you know, a contract year for, for Baker. This is generally when um, players go off. This is definitely um, in, in contract years was when Ryan Giggs used to play his best football for Manchester United. So last year, obviously, when Beckham went out with the knee injury, Baker suddenly improved. Now we're really going to see because, you know, the, the the chemistry that never existed, that's all gone. Baker, it's Baker's team. There's nobody dragging it down. It's up to, to Baker. And yet I, I, I say that, but I, I think it's going to be the ground attack that um, determines this. Because I think that essentially what the Bengals are going to do is stack the box and dare Baker to beat them. The, the Browns don't have a deep ball game. Um, they they don't they there's nothing down downfield really so um, I think the Bengals were complacent last week I think that's essentially what cost them I don't think they they will um, do that again certainly keep an eye on um, the number of sacks in this game it could be quite high with Hend uh, Trey Hendrickson and Miles Garrett but I'm gonna say that a a bad week gets worse for the Browns and the Bengals get the victory to move to six and three. Yeah, it's crazy to see all these stories coming out about Odell Beckham this week in the sense of players who are supporting him as opposed as as Collins alluded to as against players who who are I suppose probably against him and are kind of siding towards Mayfield. I think you've got a combination of two situations. One, Beckham's not a good player in the locker room, he's frustrated, he's not getting the ball. And Mayfield isn't living up to the expectations of the quarterback that the Browns need. And as we keep talking discussing, this contract is gonna be the make or break of this team in the long run. Personally, I just don't see how he can Justify paying him that kind of money. And then for, for this game, it's an interesting. Joe Burrow last year against against uh, the Browns team, despite the losses, threw for 300 yards plus in both games and three touchdowns. So he's actually done reasonably well against pretty much the same defense that's played in both games. 
But at the same time, two running backs in particular, Chubb, who's averaged 94 yards against the against the Bengals, he scored four touchdowns in his last five games, and you've got Joe Mixon, who's averaged 120 games, I'm sorry, 120 yards in, in his games against against the Browns. So it's very much two players that are hot against each team. But uh, yeah, I'm sorry, McCollum. I think the Bengals are going to rebound off a difficult week. I think Mayfield has lost three games in a row now. He's going to lose four. And yeah, does every year there's a team that everybody's high on and thinks they're going to wave, make waves and go towards the Super Bowl and it, it flatters to deceive and that Browns team is certainly one of them. Yeah, some of the OBJ stuff doesn't come as a massive surprise. Like, it was pretty clear him and Baker have not always had the rosiest of relationships. Uh, I certainly recall him favouring other quarterbacks over Baker from time to time with his gift-giving anyway. Um, but also the idea of Landry coming out in favour of him. Of course, they're ex-LSU teammates. Yeah. Like, they were very excited about playing together. Um, Landry would talk about the fact how they used to always practice one-handed catches, even back in LSU and various things like that. But there's a point here where Landry and the rest of that offense has to step up and take a bit of responsibility for what's going on. I mean, Baker Mayfield didn't do the drops that Jarvis Landry did in the, in the fourth quarter when the game really mattered last week. He was given plenty of opportunity, and I think three drops in the fourth quarter um, certainly don't give your team the best opportunity to shine. When David Ngoku is your leading receiver on the season, that illustrates how limited a deep threat and how limited your past, uh, your wide receivers have been playing. I mean, yes, there's potentially some blame on the quarterback. I don't discount that. But uh, this offense in the passing game has not been effective. It's all about the run. And that's what this game is going to come down to, strength versus strength. One of the best running teams, I mean, we talked about the Ravens earlier also, but one of the best running teams, we think of the one-two punch or one-two-three, Thank you to Ernest Johnson for a great game on Thursday night earlier in the season um, against a really, really strong run defense uh, in the Bengals. Um, if you're comparing passing games, there's no comparison. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have been an electric sideshow for the for the season so far um, and have certainly uh, entertained us. And look, entertainment could be what this game is about. Last year's game was 37-30. Baker Mayfield had five touchdowns in that game. God knows he could do with another game like that to uh, certainly turn some of his critics the right way uh, from where they've been. Um, overall, the OBJ piece is it's done now. They've agreed the release. We'll find out exactly how they restructured the contract in due course because, of course, if they reduced his contract down, it would be even more available to other teams potentially trying to pick him up. Uh, but a lot will depend on what they've done in the outlying contract of years and what they've got exactly in relation to offset language, et cetera. But um, sideshow for me, I'm with Colin. Bengals have the better team. Bengals should pull through and they should keep that run game in check. Six and three. Thanks to everybody putting their comments in, both on Twitter and YouTube. We're going to try and roll through some of these games and we'll try and read them out as well towards the end. There is one comment there saying, nothing will top Baker's face when OBJ brought Brady Goat. Edition uh, of his cleats just for him after the game. Baker's face was hilarious. That's from Sam Akora. Shout out to him. Shout out to Charles. Shout out to everyone watching on YouTube as well. Really appreciate it, folks. Patriots feeder on Twitter as well. Appreciate the messages, folks. Um, you were mentioning there that the Bengals should get it done, Mark. They should get it done, but it's the Bengals. Um, I've been asked this week to not pick the Bengals from Bengals fans because I'm giving them serious grief because I picked them the last four weeks in a row. I was uh, 
was stunned with how they lost against New York last week. But just very quickly to make a point on this, from sort of, I guess, being off work this week and watching all the shows, Coward, Good Morning Football, etc., ESPN, and just on the whole OBJ situation, when you have to text your mate, LeBron James, and your daddy to get you out of a job, it's pathetic. He doesn't deserve to go anywhere else. Uh, I actually don't rate him that much anymore. I'm starting to think that Eli Manning made him look good, which is saying a lot. Um, but I look, he, he'll, he, he will probably end up in LA or Tampa Bay on Monday evening. That's, that, that's the problem for a start. Is he or was he the metaphorical cancer in this team? I think he was. Um, just from, I mean, I can't remember who it was. Was it D'Angelo Hall or so, somebody said it the other night that he's talked to so many players and what they've said about him. He literally sucks the life out of a, out of a dressing room. I'm taking Baker in this game. More so not because of the offensive threats that the Browns have, but because of Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb wins this game for the Browns. The Browns get their season back on track. And I pray to Jesus Christ of Nazareth that uh, OBJ is getting on a flight for Detroit on Monday evening. Deserves it. I don't know why. I don't know why you'd want him, mate. Like after what Squeaky I, clean, yeah, I D'Angelo Hall coming out and, and, and slating Odell Beckham. Jeez, the irony of the NFL. Oh. Players forget their careers very quickly when they went to the media world. He was a bloody oh, he, nuisance he, he, for he's years. Been great. He, he's oh. been great. He's been, he's been great. Yeah, great so, media <clears throat> if, we, if we get him on next week now, I'm going to have to play that. Um, I look, look, if you want Odell, go I'm on. I'm going to take you back to uh, December 2015. And Beckham scored three touchdowns for the Giants against the against Miami. That's all. Just, that's all. That was a good night. Take me back in December 2015. I was sitting in a nightclub with Armin van Buren going to work the next morning in Barcelona. Like that's six years ago. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it, I'm joking. Time, oh, okay, okay, he will. He will go to a team, and he will be effective because he will. But he, I, look, he's not the player he was when he got drafted. But he's not. I mean, there's there's many a team in the league that could do it a wide receiver. There's many teams in the league that are struggling with wide receiver injuries who will happily take Beckham. 7.25 million is, is the pickup for this year. I don't know about the, the ongoing contract thereafter, but just to have him in for the remainder of the season. Yeah, but that Brian, that's the thing we, we're going to need to find out because they've agreed to release. So they could potentially have restructured that contract so the remaining fee is lower. Uh, he might have asked particularly for that. So it opens up. Oh, yeah, he has, man. That's, that's, how that's how it's been worked out, yeah. yeah. Put out someone to potentially take him on the waiver work. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I wouldn't mind him in the Patriots. I'd like to think Belichick could keep him in line. I'd be very happy with that. And there are certainly teams, I mean, look, for obvious reasons, the Raiders are looking for a wide receiver and things like that. There's lots of teams um, that could use the help. He's only 29 still, I think. So the idea that people will take a flyer on him is, all, is guaranteed. My understanding is nothing is guaranteed after this year. So, which makes him incredibly yeah. attractive. Now, there is a there is a high salary, but I don't believe any of it's guaranteed. In that case, teams will definitely be willing to take a chance. That's just the nature of this league. They, you, you'll, given what he has done in the past, um, and given that, as Brian and Mark have, have laid out, there are wide receiver needy teams, people who feel that you know he, his skill set could allow them to make a playoff run, yeah, there'll definitely be a market. Sorry. Number one team in the waiver wire needs one. Michael, I was just going to make a point. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm only talking with Sheikh and I'm joking. I suppose the point I was making was some team will ultimately take a, take a punt on him because they want to get to the promised lands, whether that's 
their expectation of the playoffs or potentially the Super Bowl. But he is difficult and he has caused trouble and he caused a lot of trouble at the Giants. And, and a lot of Giants fans were always kind of siding with Beckham. And he got that big contract from the Giants. And then within a fortnight, he was on ESPN, if you recall, with Joshua Anderson. And he basically threw Eli under the bus. And Eli was the one guy who kept continuously supporting him. And then when he went to the Browns, he said, the Giants have sent me here to die. Well, he's probably on his deathbed at this stage. So we'll see who, who takes up who takes it up now. Um, I would like the Giants to take him back, if you could get him. Because Michael. we need a wide receiver. We've got no wide receivers. Uh, Michael, except for that Kenny Golladay, that really expensive free agent you took yeah. in, free, in, in free agency. And the guy they drafted. Two million. Who was the guy they drafted again? Have you seen him? He's a fantastic player. He's, I, he's, he's a good player. He can't stay on the field. It's the problem. Um, two really quick points, Michael, actually. Uh, one of which I've already forgotten, I think. But the other one was the comment we've got around the goat head. Uh, cleats that were provided. One of the best bits about that, and that's what I was alluding to earlier, was the meme that came out afterwards because Beckham is literally on the field handing these to Brady almost on bended knee and Baker Mayfield's uh, face is in the background looking at this exchange and the meme line was very much, oh, why don't you go marry him if that's how you care about him? But it was, uh, he didn't look impressed definitely at the time. I thought he was marrying the kick in there. Can't... <laughs> Yeah, oh, the, uh, the waiver wire is intriguing. Um, that's all I'm gonna say. He won't. He, I I don't think he clears waivers. I think somebody picks him up very quickly. Detroit the or the Giants? I think the Lions pick him up. I I hope to God they do because he deserves to go there because he's clearly ha had a laugh in Cleveland. He's taken a very good Browns team and brought them down. As somebody just worked. <sighs> Somewhere before, yeah. where there's somebody like that, and they're bringing everybody. That. Like he called LeBron. Oh, could you get me put something on Instagram? Ah, oh, come on, come on. I wouldn't yeah, say he's taking them down because sorry, economy. He didn't play for large parts of last season. They made the playoffs. The struggles for this Browns this year has not been Odell Beckham. Yeah, been, and Michael, when in, he, in the locker room, I mean, in the no, but Michael, when yeah, he yeah, went yeah. to the Browns, they were still the factory of sadness. They weren't a good team. They weren't established. They weren't actually on the trajectory they are. I mean, Kevin Stefanski deserves awfully, obviously an awful lot of credit for that. But when he went to them, when that trade was consummated, it was almost like sending him to Siberia. It was, you know, casting him into the seventh circle of hell. Uh, you know, so I can't say that, you know, Beckham has been dragging them down. He's been there for the ascension. Um, and he was there long ago when they were down in the pits of despair in Mordor. Okay. Uh, talking about the Siberia, the Pits of Despair, Mordor. Uh, the Denver Broncos have to travel to Dallas this weekend, four and four, against the six among Cowboys. Uh, Dak Prescott looks like he's coming back. Column and Cooper, Cooper Rush. I keep forgetting all these guys' names. You got Mike White, Cooper Rush. The guys. What did his dad do again last week? The that there, yeah. Everyone see that? These were all in bed last Sunday night, yeah. No, no, we have no idea what you're actually doing, other than it looks like you're doing sit ups while sitting there. Well, that, that's his dad was going like this, like whatever he scored the touchdown. Yeah, I know he was. Yeah, his dad was a very on the internet, Mark. On the internet, the, the what now? The interweb, yeah, okay. The interweb, Colin. Uh, <laughs> who have you got ahead of this game on Sunday? The Broncos or the Cowboys? Um, Michael, the Cowboys haven't beaten the Broncos since 1995. Uh, the Broncos have won six on the bounce, and in three of those games, they've put 40 points on the Dallas Cowboys. Now, uh, th those the three victories, there were three different QBs in those 40-point victories. One was John Elway, 
you might have heard, heard, heard of him. Uh, the other was Peyton Manning. You might have heard of him. And the other was Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon put 42 points on the Cowboys. Um, good times. Um, not going to be the case uh, tomorrow, though. I can tell you that. Uh, so Dak is coming back. Obviously, mixed last week. People wondering how will Dak do. Um, Dak missed all, most of last year. Missed the summer. Threw for over four hundred yards and three touchdowns against the Bucks. So um, Dak doesn't need a warm up. Uh, I, I think that. In fact, uh, the Chargers are the only team to stop Dak from throwing three touchdowns this season. Uh, so if Dak plays, uh, the Broncos are are in trouble. Um, I would have to say very impressed by the Cowboys who've dealt incredibly well with um, a, a litany of, in, of injuries. Um, a lot of talk about the Broncos. Obviously, the Broncos do have a lot of injuries, a lot of players on IR. The Cowboys have more players on IR and more of their cap uh, tied up in IR. Um, and yet uh, they sit at six and one. So you've got to be impressed by the job that they're doing Two very uh, in-demand coordinators. Um, they've also been really creative on defense. They're missing Demarcus Lawrence. Um, Von Miller is gone. Actions speak louder than words. That tells you, I think, where George Payton thinks this this team is uh, going this year. Um, and Garrett Bowles is out. But it's a really interesting stat um, from <clears throat> Joseph Mahoney, um, who said that uh, according to Football Outsiders, the Broncos OL is 20th in run blocking and 27th in pass blocking. Now, that amazes me because Broncos country would have you believe that Mike Munchak is the greatest. I know, Michael, you talk about QBs being the second coming. Broncos country would have you believe that Mike Munchak is the greatest OL coach that has ever existed in the history of the National Football League. Um, and yes, he definitely turned Garrett Bowles around last year, but 20th in run blocking and 26th, uh, 27th in pass blocking um it it hasn't been good enough um it's not going to be good enough tomorrow the cowboys have scored 35 points in the last eight uh home games that uh dak has started the broncos are averaging 19.3 points this season um i i would love to see the broncos continue their streak uh, i just don't see it happening uh, the Cowboys go to seven and one, and the Broncos fall below five hundred. That's a new problem, Brian. We're back, Colin. You touched on the fact that they've won the last six games, and and you know what? During the week, I was reminiscing, and I took time out to watch a really entertaining game of a few years back, as you'll remember it well. You probably watched it. You know the one where Peyton Manning rolls into the end zone for the touchdown where everybody else was in the screen in the scrimmage looking for the ball and he just wandered off and i was thinking Gee, that was a really enjoyable game and that was great because at the time cowboys were struggling and the giants fans wanted to see them beaten and they want to see them beaten tomorrow but the reality is it's not going to happen this team as you said are putting up an average of 35 points a game whilst the broncos defense is reasonably solid and has played reasonably well this season probably not really expectations that you would have taught to start the season, I can't see how they can live with them. And that comes down to the fact that whilst you have a lot of talent on offense, the right man isn't there controlling the wheels. And unfortunately, Teddy's just, even at the expectations of Teddy for the season, I still don't think he's lived up to what he could be doing. And the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl this year, yeah? Because the Atlanta Braves won the Super Bowl, sorry, won the World Series in 1995. And the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. The last time they won it was in 1995. So. Shout out to Orlando. 
It's all boxed off, yeah. Oh, surely, surely, Fred will be buying us a few pints if uh, if the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. I'll be strangling his, I'll be strangling his neck. Hopefully, in the Donnelly Inn, but um, when it, when it, when it's reopened. No, for me, um, not to get away from this game. I think the spread and from a betting perspective, with Matchbook having looked at it this week, nine and a half points. To me, that looks very plausible that the, the Cowboys will cover that. And Dak's back. He's free. He's had a week off. Fortunately for you guys, Cowboys to win comfortably. And Brian, when the Atlanta Braves won in 95, he was on a run of, I think, uh, four World Series appearances in five years, uh, of which they only took one of. I mean, the Cowboys were a bit more successful than that when they were there, but um, maybe it's meant to me. Maybe... The Toronto Maple Leafs and the New York Jets will win the, their championships together in the same season next year as well, um, as they're long-suffering in that regard. Mark, sorry, can I make a quick point? Can you imagine we're in LA, please God, and, I, and I'm there to witness the Cowboys win the Super Bowl? Oh, how fantastic. Uh, no, Brian, the only thing better than that is me imagining being beside you for that. And <laughs> doing that well, please. That's all I can say. Um it's like how you never mention 18 and 1 to me ever. I, I can't imagine. Um, <laughs> but Colm summed up uh, with some great stats there um, about Dak's performance at home, about the historical significance of this game. Unfortunately, history won't have anything to play. For me, the key principle on this is just what the Cowboys' offense is doing currently. Like, it didn't miss too much of a beat, even with Cooper Rush. Uh, they're averaging 454 yards a game. Uh, comfortably leading in that regard in terms of the average points put up. I mean, the, as I said a few weeks ago, the Patriots only stuck with them because the Cowboys kept them in the game by messing up great red zone opportunities. Uh, with Dak back at the controls in the normal sense and the normal course of probabilities, I just don't see that happening, especially not in Jerry World. Uh, it's Cowboys. You know, if it was up high and mile high, you might start to play with some things. Tyron Smith will, uh, is likely out as well, um, but you've known Von Miller to take advantage of that. So for me, it's Cowboys all the way. Thank you for that. And again, shout out to D Orlando uh, for the Braves reference. I hope, Atlanta, I hope Atlanta's actually enjoying winning something for once after a few years ago. That must have been nice. Do you like that one, Mark? Yeah. There could be a couple of speeding tickets for the uh, victory bus. Um, I don't know if you've seen the have you, if you've seen the video of them flying through the uh, the yeah, local it's, area. It's yeah. Interesting. It's interesting. Have you seen it right now? Um, no, I've it was it, it was going on. Sorry, I'm trying to try try. Is that is that on the internet as well? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, tickets for the Super Bowl are currently six and a half thousand dollars on SeatGeek. Um, if the Cowboys get to the Super Bowl, it'll be 20 grand, no problem whatsoever. It'll be like whenever Liverpool were winning the league before COVID, they were talking about the Chelsea game or whatever, they were going for three or four grand. This is different territory. If that happens, we'll not get to the Super Bowl, boys. And I'll publicly say that live on this show. So you may hope that doesn't happen. It will not happen if that happens. Uh, but they look really good. They look really, really good to the point where your man Rush could come in last week and still take this team over the line. I know... Uh, Vikings probably should have took their chances, but that's a sign of a good team. You get over the line even when you're at your worst. That's a sign of champions, boys. Let's just say it for a start. Uh, but it's Dallas, and they may mess up in a few weeks, but they will be going seven and one on Sunday. There is no shadow of a doubt in my mind. I actually, what's the handicap? Thirteen nine and, and a half. half. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. The mortgage, the kids, 
every penny you have, gentlemen, bet, bet responsibly. Get it on the Dallas Cowboys minus nine and a half. This could honestly be the largest scoreline deficit so far this season. What has happened in, in Denver over the last four to five weeks has been nothing short of, of, of an abomination. I'm not going to waste time talking about it. To trade away Von Miller and then not bother to get to get rid of anybody else for a bit more draft capital is alarming. And they're not in the rebuild, apparently. Uh, they won't score over 10 points in this game. Dak Prescott should take a week off or at least sit there and let Rush go into like maybe the third quarter when he gets a bit squeaky or whatever. And it, look, it, it kills me to say this. The Broncos having a chance in hell. The, the Cowboys go in this by 40. 45 if they could, if they wanted to. Um, and yeah, I, I've got the Broncos winning mo- one more game this season. So We talked that last game. week with the Bengals. We thought not a, not a, ch- not a cat in hell's chance this Jets team could beat. Uh, but the Bengals have got a quarterback. You know, T- Teddy hasn't showed up. George Payton sent five five scouts to uh, a game today. Do you know what game it is called? Oh, 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 miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, to watch to watch two quarterbacks that are in the draft, and one of them was gone after the end of the fourth quarter, not to return to the game. Cop twenty six. So, Maybe they could watch it on TV instead. You know, instead of that, a whole different conversation for a different podcast. All right. Anyway, anyway, uh, Broncos by. Well, sorry, Cowboys by forty. <laughs> Shout out to Richard Graves. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. There's more chance. There's more chance of Brian. There's more chance of Brian ending up on the Lately a Toy Show at the end of the month than there is of the of the of the, of the Broncos winning this game tomorrow. Uh, well, Bills five and two. Can you Jaguars. say that, Michael? Because we had a bit of an announcement to make. Oh, what's going on? No, I'm just messing. Yeah, no, going to be on Toy Show. Europe. <laughs> it's funny because Mark's screen froze there, and I was like, "What's what's, yeah, what's happening?" Know, yeah. Uh, okay, not going to be in the toy show, but uh, Colin, who have you got? Bills, Jaguars. Uh, niche content there. Uh, audiences around the world wondering what the toy show is. Um, the, this game, um, the Jaguars have one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Uh, just to go through it, Teddy Bridgewater, Tua Tunga Vailoa, and Trod Taylor all through for 300 yards. Teddy Bridgewater. True for 300 yards. Tua, true for 300 yards. And Trod Taylor, which is probably the least surprising of that particular triplet, true for 300 yards against the Jags. Okay? Their opposing QBs are completing 75% of their passes. Enter Josh Allen. Oh, boy. Uh, He has Stefan Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley to throw to. Um, and in a week where we're talking about OBJ, Emmanuel Sanders is like the, the opposite. He's got a bit of a, D, a diva thing going on. But Emmanuel Sanders had a thousand yard season with Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon as his QB and he still managed a thousand yard season. And he was out there with the kids um, this weekend. Just keeps doing his thing. Got to be impressed by Emmanuel. Um, in terms of... Um, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, I really like, uh, you know, he's flashed. I think he's going to be very good. I think he needs a new head coach. But one of the issues he's had is with pressure. He's thrown four interceptions when pressurized, second most in the NFL. Well, guess who's really good at getting pressure on the QB? Um, the only thing that can stop the Bills is the Manning cast curse. Um, that I'm, I'm fascinated to see if that will be the thing that can stop them. Uh, the sooner the Jags can get rid of Urban Meyer, the better. 
this Bills defense has really stepped up this year. They've only given them five touchdowns, you know, five passing touchdowns. The secondary has come together, which was a struggle last year. It was struggling in the championship game. So they really are going in the right direction. And they take care of every team they play with a, with a, a record of 500 or below. Nobody's beating them. No one's come close. And then in the last 10 games that they've won, they've won by, sorry, the last 12 games they've won, they've won by 10 or plus points. So not only are they winning games, you know, they're winning games convincingly. And in this game, you're talking about games, 30, 40 points, Michael. This is this is right up there with one of those games. But it won't be because the Bills will take the foot off the pedal come the third quarter because they know there's bigger games and bigger fish ahead for them. And uh, as, as well as Lawrence has played and as well as, as as good as he looks, it's a different league here, different gravy. Bills all the way. Bills. The handicap's 14 and a half points. That says what the book is thinking about it. So slaughterhouse, Bills all the way. I was going to mention the handicap. Brian kindly took care of that. I was going to mention about the Jags in recent games and the 300-yard streaks. Colin kindly took care of that. So I'm just going to leave you two key facts. The Bills at the moment are averaging 32.7 points per game. That's number one in the NFL overall. The Bills are also only giving up 15.6 points per game. That, too, is one number one overall in the NFL. That's all you need to know in relation to this. The Jags are one and six. One and six, the one we saw in London, guys, by a 50-odd yard field goal from a you know practice squad kicker in the most surreal circumstances possible. They are not a good side. The Bills are. It's very simple. The Bills are winning this game. Uh, well, I for the crack. What do you think? What do you think? You, you might lose your I, bills. I, I, I would love to hear you make the case for how the Jags win this. I would love to hear it. Brian will be back momentarily. I'm not sure where he's away. He must be getting his OBJ jersey. Um, I, I don't really have a case other than I just want to watch a game for the crack. It's, something's telling me the Bills are going to mess up. We're just not perform as well. Is that crazy? Now, I, know, I know Mark has mentioned the stat there saying... About they scored what over thirty points in average of games. Kind of feeling, boys, and I think it's you know speaking to Urban Meyer and your, him looking at babies. Michael, I'm surprised you're going. You're you're giving up on your babies. Bills are your not, babies. Not, not giving up on anybody. Team. Second team, Brian. I don't have any babies, so uh, yeah. You've adopted so, the Bills, anyway. <laughs> hi, hi, Jim Gallag. Uh, oh, do you know what, boys? Eleven thirty at night. Anybody listening to the podcast? It's late at night. I'm going to get through this. Bills don't turn up Jaguars in my field goal. How's that? B- bit of crack? Do you like that? Can I just, like can I just, can I, yeah, I like that. Uh, so Michael's going Jags. Note, somebody note that down. Um, it is seven, <laughs> seven years since the Broncos averaged 30 points a game. Seven years. I, I moved on from seven years since they scored 30 points in a game, Colin, but fair enough. Average no, game. Trevor Simeon put 42 points on the Cowboys. That's true. Yeah, you did I'm, say just that, it, I'm just going to make a point on the Jags, right? If you had any doubts whether the Jags are a good team or a bad team or an inconsistent team or a team on the, on the upward curve, haven't been to London. I saw them last week against, against Geno Smith. That was enough for me. Despite, the, you know, with all the frailties that he has as a quarterback, he went up and down the field on them and he made a show of them. And that, a lot of that's down to Urban Moore. I watched I watched the Bills game for a couple of quarters and by God, I, they made the Miami Dolphins look like 
1985 Chicago Bears at one point. It's a divisional year. game, though, Michael. In fairness, ah, come on. I should, so was the game in London. Like I don't know, it's just a bit of crack. Just a bit of crack. Pick, pick Jackson. Up. It, Have you any, uh, any point to make? Uh, no, I was just going to say. I know we're all obsessed with this game and we're very passionate about it, but it's <laughs> half past fucking eleven at night and we are still talking about the Jacksonville. Yeah, Mark, be careful, we're going to be people yeah. watching this tomorrow now. So we I can yeah, track that statement, yeah, Mark. Yeah. What? Anyway, we, we look, what what a game next, huh? Oh no, here's the big one now. Just the the Irish NFL shows no has no affiliation with the National Football League. Any language used inadvertently has been has been refunded or retracted by mark mark will not be allowed in the show again for two weeks <laughs> and we're uh, sorry for that folks sorry for any children listening I already apologize, get on with it come on uh let's just let, let's just breeze through this game i am gonna take the dolphins in this lovely toilet bowl game uh one and seven against the one and sevens go for a comment so Mark even alluded to it earlier, but we're all familiar with the phrase, the unstoppable force meets the immovable object, right? This is the antithesis. This is the stoppable force meets the movable object. This is horrific. This is the Dolphins who rang 30th in yards per game and dead last in yards allowed against the Texans who are 31st in yards per game and 30th in yards allowed. Like, this is just... The, the just horrific on every imaginable level. If you like good football, this is not for you. Better, you would have seen better football on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, um, which which is a shame because again, um, Brian and I thought the Dolphins were playoff bound. Right, I'll just put that out there. Um, thought that was the case, um, but Tua is auditioning for a job elsewhere given that they basically went out and said that they wanted Watson and did everything, like any chance you can make all of those, not one, not two, 22, 22 allegations. Let's remember that. Um, and they wanted them to just disappear so they could trade him. Didn't happen. They have Tua. They're stuck with Tua. Um, yeah, no, that's that's fine. Um, but the uh, trot is back. Uh, the Texans are eight and one against the Dolphins. Um, I ranted about the Texans, but in seven games against the Dolphins, no. completed 66% of his passes, 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns, <sighs> no interceptions. The Dolphins could not be worse. Everything that could possibly go wrong, apart from De Damien Harris' fumble, they wouldn't have a win. I am going to pick the Texans to win this game. I mean, what are you talking about, Colin? <laughs> this is a really intriguing game in many ways. It really is because you got to be <laughs> half eleven night time. Texans at Dolphins. Colin was stolen my thunder. I was going to say you think back to some better days of Texans because they've beaten them eight of the nine, eight of the last nine games. But this Texans team are a sorry state. Seven losses by nineteen points or more. So even when they're in the game, they're blown out by the torque war. Tyrod Taylor, for me, is the only reason why they can stay close in this game. You're looking for the banker the weekend. This Dolphins team are better than the record says. They've lost games they should have won. They're going to win this game comfortably. Two is going to have a, a good day. Water Kaziski, too many talented players. We touched on it last week. They've got really good players. They've just found ways to lose games. They're similar to other teams in the league. So for me, it's not going to impact on the season in the long run. 
The only thing that's going to impact those impact is where the Texans are picking in the draft because the Dolphins pick has gone to the Eagles high up. Blowout, Dolphins. Colin, who, who are you picking again? Just to make sure, just to be picking. I I am picking the Houston Texans, the one in seven Houston Texans who are a disgrace to the league and everything that's associated with the franchise should it could they it could be disbanded and bulldozed tomorrow and the world would be better for it. And I am still picking that franchise to beat the Miami Dolphins who want to trade for a QB who shouldn't who should be banned, but Roger Goodell doesn't have the cojones to do it. But what are you talking about? De- Denver, solve your QB problems by starting John Elway. Like, what are you talking about? So Stronger Sherbert's in Cork tonight, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just going to sum this up in a couple of quick things. I mean, this to me is the uh, Simon Garfunkel's famous sound of silence going through my head because it starts off with, hello, darkness, my old friend. Uh, and from that, I think about Nietzsche, and we were saying, you know, battle not monsters, lest you become a monster yourself. And if you gaze into the abyss, recall that the abyss stares into you. The problem is, these two teams facing off, they don't know which one is the abyss and which one isn't, because they're both monumental abysses at the moment. They both have so much problems. Brian Flores is holding on to his job by the skin of his fingernails. And the Texans, as Colin said, are a embarrassment generally to society i think is the the nicer nicer way of saying what uh, he's put out there um and they you know they tried to sell any and all players they possibly could at the trade deadline um i'm with brian dolphins waddle Gaziki, to uh just having enough Okay, right, very quick. I'm just, I just wanted to get that across. Have you, have you, I call it, have you, yes, I do. Uh, One, one, one thing Houston is a great city, really love Houston as a place. Um, (laughs) have been there, fantastic place, fantastic people. Uh, Bum Phillips, uh, you know, incredible legacy, but they need to sort out what is going on with that franchise. It's nothing against the fans, they all they deserve better. Um, but they're still beating the, the Dolphins. I agree, uh, but I just don't see the point in having an average team in Texas when there's loads of other states in America that haven't got an NFL team. Moving on, Falcons at the Saints. We'll talk about that Monday night. Falcons 3-4 and four, going to the Trevor Simeon-led New Orleans Saints. If I thought the season for me couldn't get any worse, Trevor Simeon is starting, and he beat Tom Brady last week. Uh, take it away, Colin. He did as he played very well last week, which is it's not like he just came in to see it, see it out right at the end where they had this huge victory. He actually had work to do and he and he did it. And he's gonna start, but Taysom Hill will play. The the interesting thing about Simeon is like we saw um some good, but more bad during his time with the Broncos. Um most of his games with the Broncos, he threw for fewer than 300 yards. He had four games over 300 yards in, in two seasons. So he's a conservative QB. Um, they're going to run the ball a lot, which will probably suit the Saints. And this is this is a Falcons team where it it's like Madden, where you play offense only and you just don't, don't bother about defense. Uh, you can choose that as an option. It looks like the Falcons have chosen that option because they just don't play defense. And 
we saw Matty Ryan get his hand stamped on uh, la- last week, and they, they they ended up a bloody mess, which is really what their kind of defense has been for most of this season. I think Cam Jordan is going to have his way with Matt Ryan. I don't think they can protect him. I, I feel for for Matt Ryan because he he is a, a solid QB, but then the protection isn't around him. Uh, Kyle Pitts is outstanding, but I don't think they're going to have enough. I think we'll see Jameis dancing on those crutches again uh, tomorrow night as the Saints go to six and two. The Saints have completely revamped this offense this season, and obviously the factor being that the, the quarterback's not there in, in the past in terms of Drew Brees. Like they're the only team in the league that hasn't had a receiver beyond 300 yards. It's very much Kamara, and we saw a big, a big uh, change last week in terms of Mark Ingram coming back. You know, the, you know the previous running back, and he had a really good game. I think that's where we're going to see majority of their offense again in this game tomorrow. I think the defense this season has been solid. I touched on it last week, which is why I felt. Brady has struggled with the exception of that playoff game. Brady is one and three against the Saints. Sorry, with that playoff game, he's one and three against the Saints. Saints have taken care of him. And predominantly, most of those games have been down to the fact that he can't do anything on defense. It's a really strong defense. I think he's recognized this season. If we're going to have any chance to compete in the division, we, we work with defense and then we go with the offense, which is Winston. And Taysom Hill is going to come back, which is a real X factor to the offense. So for me, Falcons are not consistent enough. Saints will win this game. Yeah, and, and huge credit to Dennis Allen, even more so probably than Sean Payton for that win last week. Um, defensive coordinator at Saints, who's given Brady a lot of fits in the regular season um, games, obviously, where the Saints are 3-0 against the Bucks. Um, still, in my mind, won't be enough to really make that NFC South uh, you know, uh, a challenge. And if you're looking at it on paper, you go Trevor Simeon versus Matt Ryan. Um, you know who you would take in that battle every single day of the week. However, look what Matt Ryan did last week. And I said the Falcons had the chance to go to 500 for the first time since 2017. Matt Ryan came out and the Falcons' offense came out and laid a duck's egg or a goose egg. What's the expression I wanted to say? I wanted to use another expression, Michael, but it's probably inappropriate for the podcast, so I won't, I won't use that. Um, but uh, he threw for only 146 yards. They obviously let the Panthers run all over them. And as the guys have alluded to, that's the way the Saints want to move the ball on you. Short yardage, a short passing game, uh, running. Hopefully, Taysom Hill with a bit of a Swiss Army knife will uh, generate some things for them again. Obviously, Jameis Winston done for the year, although he is still able to dance on crutches, it seems, uh, as he celebrated the game uh, win last week. Um on balance, the Saints, but remember, remember, like the Cowboys, like the Vikings, never bet on the Falcons or against them sometimes. But Saints for me, six and two. I went to NFL kickoff in 2019, Broncos against the Bears, flew in from Denver to Dallas, flew home to Dublin, was sitting in Dallas, Monday Night Football. Oh, yeah, it was Monday Night Football. Simeon broke, did he break his leg? Was it for the Jets? Can't remember. It was really bad at the time. Anyway, I didn't think he'd play in the NFL again. He just came back in, and he has really impressed me, boys. Uh, and I've really, Colin, I've wanted to do this for a long time. Simeon Toast Crunch, our friend Brandon Perna. Um, the Saints will win this game. I'm really intrigued to see how Simeon's going to play. I think he might play the rest of the season with this team. I think he's underrated. Uh, and I think 
he fits the, the system that they're trying to play at the moment, which is very much rely on the run game, dunk passes off to, to wide receivers, let them get the yards after catch, nothing ex- expansive down the field. He plays the model exactly as someone said during the week. Sean Payton loves him because he does what he tells him to do. Nothing else. That is a better option than Taysom Hill anyway. Is he, I, I think he's still injured, isn't he? Yeah. No, he's going to play. But again, this suits the Saints as well. They don't want Taysom Hill playing quarterback. They want to use him in that kind of, as Mark said, Swiss Army Life scenario. Put him in a quarterback, you know, run the ball. He's more effective that way. The Saints offense is more effective that way. Like in the Saints defense as well. They're going to go six and two for me. Raiders at the Giants. Quiet week for both teams. No COVID, no off the field issues uh, at all for both teams. Colin, who have you got in this game? Um, so the Raiders 2020 draft class, um, Henry Ruggs released facing decades in prison. Uh, Damon Arnett now pictured with a gun. Um, he's also benched, um, but very likely to be released in the not too distant future. They were their first, their round one picks. Okay. Those two guys round three, uh, Lynn Bowden, uh, traded zero snaps. Um, ra- the other round, another round three pick, Brian Edwards, is actually a starting wide receiver. Another round three pick, Tanner Muse, caught zero snaps. Round four, Amick Robertson, benched. Round four, John Simpson, backup. That was their 2020 draft. What a nightmare. Um, it, and it's it's incredible to, to watch the, the Raiders because it, it like. It's all just been a disaster off the field, um, and yet they're they're five and two, and they, they sit atop um, the AFC West, and they're they're certainly in with a, a chance in this game because Max Crosby is playing incredibly well, and up against Nate Solder, you'd have to say that that's a worry if you're if you're the Giants. Jones has been sacked eighteen times. Um, Crosby is having the season of of his life. Um, for for the Giants, it's I suppose like they they will be disappointed with the game against the Chiefs because it was there for them, um, but they didn't get it done. Um, they, I mean, their defense essentially played well enough to beat the Chiefs. They were let down by their offense. They they couldn't get it done. I can see a way the 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 Giants can can win this certainly. Um, and and for the Raiders, it's really what happens. Can they, in a similar fashion to the Gruden situation, coalesce and come together? Um, I think they they probably can. Um, but I think this is one of the toughest games of the weekend to call. I'm going to go um, with the Raiders because the Giants are, are, are so beat up. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Giants were to win this game. I think what was lost in Monday's game, because it was such a frustrating, as a Giants fan, it was such a frustrating end. And most people who've taken time out to watch the game, as Colin was alluded to, recognised that the Giants gave that game away at the end. Intercepted Mahomes, intercepted him on the last drive and gave up a city penalty, which, you know, would have would have won the game potentially. And they only gave the Chiefs six points in the second half. And people said, oh, but it's only the Chiefs because they're playing so poorly this season. But the week before, it was only the Panthers because the Panthers are not a good side. So I think people maybe just need to recognise the Giants' defence has actually returned in two games consistently to what I expected to see. And I think it's going to continue. I think they'll play well this week. People are saying during the week, oh, well, the Raiders have reacted very well to the Gruden situation. You know, they've won the two games. Well, what people have forgotten is they actually lost the game immediately after the Gruden situation. They um, had a very disappointing performance against the, the Bears at home. 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna run with that. I think they're gonna cross come across to the east. They're not gonna be ready. And I think the Giants, it's a perfect game for the Giants. Giants do have some players coming back in offense. Not Barkley, unfortunately, but Galladay looks like he's gonna play. And there's a couple of other players coming back, which are key for the team. So for me, I think the Giants are gonna cause the upset. And I kind of reflected in the betting aspect. Um the, the bookies aren't aren't too sure on this because they're only giving the, the Giants a three point head start on the game. So for me, that's kind of says a lot. I think the Giants are gonna win and and Right or wrong is a Monday night. Uh, I think, Brian, you're, you're right. The Giants have started to get into a little bit of a consistent pattern. Daniel Jones has, uh, you know, the lightning rod for so much in New York has actually quietly had probably the most consistent four-game stretch uh, almost in his career so far. Um, he, is, he is definitely not, you know, being highlighted for making errors and turning over the ball, etc. In fact, he's making good decisions. He's getting the ball out quickly. Um, and he hasn't had the vast amount of array of weapons that he might have expected to have. So um, that's very pleasing to see from the Giants' side as well. Look, the um, Raiders obviously do have one major receiving threat still, as Colin rightly alluded to, they've had a, a bit of a storm on the wide receiver position, but Darren Waller's still there. And the matchup I'm looking forward to most is really going to be Waller probably against James Bradbury. There's very few tight ends that deserve your top corner being matched up against him. This is definitely one of them, and that's going to be a matchup that could go a long way to deciding this game. Um, for me, one of the exciting things about the Raiders at the start of the season was that I felt that they had a really balanced offense. Josh Jacobs has obviously been injured for a while. He's just coming back to good health. Uh, he could make a big difference because, frankly, the Giants' run defense has been appalling. 4.4 um, yards being given up per carry. Uh, on average, and that is actually where I think the Raiders could make hay uh, in this particular game. I mean, can they coalesce together? I mean, in Henry V, Shakespeare put it, it said, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers, for he today who slays and sheds his blood alongside me shall be my brother. Um, their backs are against the wall with everything that's gone on. Nothing, of course, is comparable to the fact that one of their wide receivers now cut was involved in the death of a lady and their family and friends have to go on without that person. Um, football pales in comparison. Um, but I think the Raiders have a spirit to core that will see them through this game just about, but that's not disrespecting what the Giants are putting together in the last few games. Sorry, I just want to make a quick point, Mark. That's a very valid point you make around the fact that the potential to put Bradbury on, uh, on Waller because the exact same scenario on Monday night. James Bradbury uh, commented after the game it was the first time in his career he's been asked to basically track a tight end throughout the entirety of the game, which obviously was Kelsey because he's such an effective player for the Chiefs. And he did a very good job. And, you know, Kelsey was restricted for the whole game, give or take. And he also ripped out a fumble on Kelsey in the tour corner as well. So, you know, different different type of player. Waters on the an upcoming player, I suppose, arguably he's still underage to a certain extent. But, yeah, he said a lot of it goes through, goes through him for that Raiders offense. Yeah, I'm just realising I haven't been on uh, all week, and apologies for that. Uh, Giants done really well. Monday night should have beat the Chiefs. Um, actually, sitting here now, I don't know how they didn't beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs are woeful, boys. Woeful. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, it's been a very difficult week for the Raiders off-field, obviously, in terms of what's going on there. Uh, difficult week for the Giants with COVID, etc. Saquon Barkley not playing, but he's got an injury. I think he's had a couple of negative tests or whatever since um i'm actually going to take the giants today or well i guess nearly today nearly sunday i'm taking the giants 
because I don't think Vegas are going to travel well to the East Coast. Any team from the West going to the East, especially what they've had to put up with this season, I just don't think they're going to come out and play. Maybe I'm going to be proved wrong. Maybe Derek Carr is going to have some sort of any given Sunday moment in the locker room tomorrow. But uh, I'm taking the Giants. It'll be close enough. Field goal in it. Um, and we'll see what happens. Okay. Thanks everybody for watching, by the way, folks. Uh, Paul, thank you for the comment. And uh, folks, thanks very much for everyone watching on Twitter as well. There's loads of comments coming in. We really appreciate it. Check out our fan club, irishnflshow.com slash fan club. Um, there's a pre-seal for something happening in Ireland. We may or may not send a link. There is also merch there as well. And there'll be a giveaway happening soon only for people to sign up to that. Uh, let's see what happens. Chargers 4-3 and three at the Eagles 3-5. and five. Uh, Disappointing defeat for the Chargers last week, Colin. Uh, Justin Herbert looked a bit shaky in our second half. Yeah, um, they he, again, Bill Belichick uh, worked it, worked his magic. Um, I, look, I, I have waved the, the pom poms for the Eagles and for Jalen Hurts all season long. And uh, last week, uh, there was a lot of people were saying that they thought the Lions could get the first victory of the season. Well, the Eagles took care of that. Uh, didn't even have to play Hurts uh, for the, the end of the game. I think this, I genuinely think this is intriguing, right? Because the char to, for me, if the Chargers get off to a fast start, the Chargers win the game. But if the Chargers, because they'll force the Eagles to, to play catch up and throw the ball, the Eagles finally, finally, and Nick Sirianni realized it, that they have to run the ball. You can't just put it all on Jalen Hurts. Um, but if the Chargers don't get off to a fast start, I would expect the Eagles to basically roll out the same game plan from last week because the Chargers are not good against the run and just run, run, run. They had 46 um, run attempts last week, 236 yards, ate, ate up the clock, just... Um, you know, and and added to that, they got to golf five times, right? So, um, they they are keen to get to the Q, QB, and the Chargers, um, you know, they they do give up sacks and they don't get sacks. So, um, I I I think the Chargers should win this, um, but um, I. I, I think going across, you know, like the Chargers seem just a little, and I really like the, the Chargers, but I would like to see the Chargers actually get um, Odell because I, I think they need another option for Herbert. I, I don't think that uh, Mike Williams or, um, you know, uh, Keenan Allen are enough. I think they, they need to give him another option. And for that reason, I'm going to go for the Eagles to sneak this. You know, Connor, you said a lot of teams that I actually agree with for, for once, in particular on this <laughs> Eagles team. But I'm not, I'm not selling them yet. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I think it'll be close. I think what we've seen over the past three weeks because of the charge run up is the fact that at the start of the season, people are going, oh, look at Mike Williams. You know, nobody expected him to be such a deep track when well, we knew he'd be deep put the player he, he's been and the potential he's got and how Herbert and him have struck up a great relationship Keenan Adams is starting to gradually become the second receiver where we've seen him for years being the first receiver he's been taking out a game the past few weeks you know the the Ravens did it the Patriots did it last week the Patriots last week said yeah give it to Keenan Allen all he's going to get is 10-15 yards let them take their first downs there's nothing there in the secondary that's going to expose us they need to get Mike Williams back in this game they need to make 
find ways to get him the ball, spread the field, get the ball down the field, because the Chargers are great when they can move the ball down the field. The first four or five weeks of the season, Herbert was 400 yards, 420, 390, because he was getting the ball down 67 yards. That Browns game in particular. We've not seen that recently. Chargers aren't going to win games with methodical drives. You know, Eckler is a good good running back, but he's banged up. And then defensively, they're giving up 159 rushing yards per game. But the reason why I think the Chargers will win is because this Eagles defense, forget about last week, depending on the lines. I'm sorry, I apologize for picking the lines last week. Completely got it wrong. But the previous weeks, when they went to the Raiders and other teams, they've given up a lot of points, a lot of yards, a lot of points. The defense core doesn't seem to make any in-game adjustments. It gets on with it as it is and expects the offense to find a way to put up 30, 40 points to kind of combat against a poor defense. So for me, I think Herbert will come out and he'll have a good game and he'll charge the win. I mean, the Chargers need a bounce-back game. You weren't the only one on the lines last week, Brian. I was on them as well. And <laughs> makes it look a very foolish pick in relation to it. And for all the reasons Colm's just articulated, I mean, we started off in the season, it looked for a little while like the Eagles were going to try and become Baltimore North um, in terms of the running game, the various options they had, bit of read action. Jalen Hurts already run for more than 30 yards in each of his 12 career starts already. Um, and obviously against the Lions, they went back to really almost like a ground and pound and absolutely destroyed them on the ground. Could they do that to the Chargers and their leaky run defense? Absolutely. But somehow I just don't feel that the Eagles have that consistency and that the Eagles are actually um, sensible enough on their play calling. I mean, look at what they've done with Devontae Smith this year. They've targeted him once in the red zone in seven games so far. They've barely utilized him. I mean, you know, he is an exceptional talent and they've got to give him the chance and they've got to put the ball in his hands more um, to try to utilize him. The problem is, of course, as I keep saying, Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball down the field accurately and consistently. And that is why they have to go with a different game plan. I disagree with Colin a little bit around, you know, they've just got Williams and Allen. I mean, they're lesser threats, but Austin Eckler and Jared Cook are doing a lovely job for them in the underneath game. And yes, maybe they need another down the field threat, um, but they certainly supplement uh, the two key wide receivers there sufficiently in my mind. And Eckler is good on the ground. Um, yes, I can see the way in which the Eagles win this, but the Chargers have been a good team for the start of this season. They need a bounce back game after being um, defeated by some team last week. Begins with new, new something, new England, oh, New England Patriots. That's what it was. Um, and I think, however, this is their bounce back game. So I'm going with the Chargers to go to five and three and be right in the hunt for that division title. Just, I, I think. Um... When Bo Wolf was on with us, who's the Eagles beat writer from the um, the Athletic, he made the point that there was a the jury was still out in Philadelphia. Was Nick Sirianni, you know, the the issue was it Jalen Hurts? Were, were who was holding who back? I, I would have to say that I think the last few weeks Sirianni, I think, is a bigger. I look. I still think there are questions around Jalen Hurts and whether he is a franchise QB. But I think Nick Sirianni and the way in which this team has gone through, you know, they, they went through five carries, right, against the, the Cowboys. Five attempts to rush it to 46 last week. Like, that's crazy. Um, how, how can your players have any sort of consistency when they're going through that? That to me is 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 a big issue. 
it, it definitely could go either way. I agree with 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 Brian and Mark. I'm going to go with the Eagles. Um, you know, I again, I just I, I I think they're they're a fun team to watch, and they're the antithesis of my Broncos. Ready to rock. Um, I'm presuming everybody here has seen Sirianni's speech with a flower. Talking about the flower. I tell you want to say a flower there. The flower would have been for um. For Colin, you know, it's his second, it's fast becoming his second team in the NFL. Philadelphia no, I mean, have, have, you, have you not seen it? It's a bit like whenever Joe Judge done that thing where he said, Oh, he's not, no, it's better than that. It's, um, it is genius. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's probably the best thing I've seen this season. He basically talks about the process of a flower growing and evolving. This goes on, and it's so articulated. It's almost like Michael Scott in the office when he says, I'm going to start a sentence. And uh, sometimes I don't know where I'm going. I always hope I get there, but but when I find my way. They looked unbelievable last week, but it was Detroit. The thing for me, the Chargers lost last week because Justin Herbert threw two interceptions. I'm not going to talk about the team they were playing or any other factors there. That's why they lost the game last week, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, he lost the confidence. I think they would have scored more than 27 points if that hadn't happened. And uh, it is what it is. I like this Eagles team. I think it will be closer. I like Nick Seriani. I think he's good value. I know people in Philadelphia might not like him, but by God, I think he's good value. Boys, the, the NFC East is just, thank God for the NFC East. Uh, I'm going to take the Chargers to win this game. I think, I don't want to see OBJ in Los Angeles. Um, the reality is, sorry, is, is, is as much as you slag the NFC East, if the Eagles are to win tomorrow and the Patriots beat the Panthers, the Eagles are a wild card. Yeah, so, yeah I'm saying it's good value. It's, it's, it's Sirianni is just good crack. Uh, if you haven't seen that, type in Sirianni flower in Google. It is probably the best thing you'll watch this season. I'm taking the Chargers. Michael, can, do you mind if I call out one thing? Because it's just gone as we're recording this live. So anybody listening to the pod tomorrow, obviously apologize, but it's just literally gone past midnight. It's one minute past midnight. So for the next game we're going to look at, this is great news because for Green Bay Packers fans, it's now officially only six days left before your starting quarterback can actually enter your team facility again. So great news and progress for them. Provided he has the symptoms. And that's and let, let, let's just leave it at that. Prayers to our Rogers. Ho, ho, hope you feel good, man. Hope you hope you feel good. Uh, Packers, discuss the Packers. Sorry, the Rogers situation. I I have nothing to say on it. To, to, to be honest, with you. I think I just let people make their own decision. If you want to say something, go on ahead. But I I have nothing to say. I have plenty to say, Michael. But you might get this taken down off Twitter if I yeah. Yeah, the, I the, the, the floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, uh, tell you what, sure, if you want to, if you want to talk about it, let's just go around to the crack call. We'll start with you, man. Packers seven and one against his four and four Chiefs team. That, um, yeah. what what I'll, what I'll say on it is, um, he should have owned it if he wanted to. Again, saying immunized, it, it was a cop out, and he can say what he wants. Uh, that, uh, but uh, Carson Wentz owned it. Okay, um, and at, at least he did that. Aaron Rodgers didn't want to be ridiculed on Twitter, and so he didn't uh, say it. Uh, he he talks, you know, talks about politics. I didn't see Wentz. There, there was no politics around Wentz's decision. People 
criticize Wentz for making the decision, but there was no politics that came into it. The politics come in now, but Wentz, Wentz was Wentz. Anyway, um, just should should have owned it. If he didn't want to get it, don't get it. Um, and that 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 tr- truly is your decision, but at least own it. If you want to get it, get it. If you don't want to get it, don't get it, but at least own it. Stand up and say it. What's interesting to me, I suppose, is... Andrew Brandt um, has been critical. Uh, in fairness, earlier in the week he wasn't, but he has been critical in the last few days. But he did say something interesting. Um, he had tweeted that football-wise is the perfect storm for the Packers. They get to look at their future, love, without a major injury to their present, Rogers, with a huge cushion in the NFC North against a non-conference opponent with a subpar defense. Optimal. Um, and that that all, all of that is true. But then the press conference, or well, the press appearance, the interview um, happened. So did Rod, did what Rodgers did yesterday, did that help or hinder Jordan Love? Did it help to deflect attention so that it allows Love to just get through the weekend where no focus is on him? Um, and before all of this had really blown up, I had seen a wonderful tweet from Kevin Clark who said, um, the Packers have five days to tell Jordan Love who Daniel Sorensen is, uh, which I thought was per- perfect. Um, and kind of gets to, to uh, you know, the actual football side of things. And yes, I'm sure that's exactly what Matt Lafer has is a big whiteboard with Daniel Sorensen on it and throwing his direction. Um, I love taking you back and taking you back to we've talked about it before 2020 divisional round. And the Chiefs are 24 points down to the Houston Texans, but they win by tw- they win that game by by 20 points. Um, that was the that was the the high point for the Texans, and they've free fall since then. Um, the Chiefs were on the up and up ever kind of since then until that Super Bowl, um, and and but since then it, it's really fallen away, and it's been interesting to see. Um, teams kind of look to to really, um, I suppose, neutralize Mahomes over the past year. And our friend Cameron at, at Sky Sports um, ha- wrote a really interesting piece around the way in which teams were looking to neutralize Mahomes and essentially take away that deep threat and then look to kind of neutralize Kelsey. And it, it has been effective in in many ways especially when you consider how good uh Mahomes was uh, had been over the past few years now what hasn't helped them has been their ill discipline they had 12 penalties Brian I think on Monday night over 100 yards I mean yeah. that that is going to no matter how good a team you are if if you had that that's going to really hurt you but when you aren't playing particularly well um that's kind of catastrophic. And be- beyond Hill and Kelsey, who even when they've been negated, have done okay, but haven't been explosive in the same way, the drop-off to their next uh, level is significant. But they are going up um, a- against uh, a Packers team, obviously, who were without Rodgers and having to-, to travel and everything that's gone around it. Um the Chiefs have a huge. I think they're, they're the highest in turnovers this season, um, but I think they have to win this game. I think if they don't win this game, that's really going to be 
a death knell to their hopes. Um, because even if they were to get to the playoffs, if they were to lose this, I don't think there would be any fear factor with the Chiefs. And and by bringing in Melvin Ingram, although he hasn't been the same player he was, I, I do think it means Chris Jones goes back into the middle. I never understood moving him to the edge. I'm going to go with the, the Chiefs to uh, to kind of fall up on, uh, over the, the line on this one because I just think they need it more. As Brand said, um, they, the Packers have a huge cushion and the Chiefs don't, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs. Well, look, let's be fair. Whatever about the Rodgers situation, the Chiefs have caught a break here, you know, because the remainder games, the remaining games that they have this season, they play everybody with a winning record. It's the only team in the NFL that plays every game with a team that has a winning record. So we're already you're looking at the schedule and you're you're bearing in mind with the Raiders and we'll see how they get on against the Giants and the Chargers. They're already playing catch up. They're going up against teams that are really effective. They're all pushing for the playoffs. They've got a struggle at it. Mahomes hasn't thrown more touchdowns and interceptions. So he's thrown more interceptions and touchdowns in the last four games against the Packers defense that has had nine interceptions, you know, in the last four to five games. The, the defense, as I touched on in the shows, has been really effective. And I could see a situation tomorrow during the game where the Packers defense does slow Mahomes down. But I think we're, we're in this situation where we don't know what we're getting now in love. There was a lot of conversation last year, sorry, during the offseason, if Rogers was to move on, when Love was ready to step in. And a lot of people felt he wasn't. So it's a big ask for him to go in, in particular, in this game, in Arrowhead, and win, and win this game. So for me, I think the Chiefs will win. And just on the Rogers situation, not too dissimilar to what Colin has said. You, you didn't mention other quarterbacks, Colin, so I'm going to throw them out there. Lamar Jackson has been very open about the fact that he won't get vaccinated. He's had COVID twice and he still won't get vaccinated. We, we criticised Kirk Cousins. He won't get vaccinated. And he had the shield around him and he said he'll do his utmost to work with the team and the parameters around the league. And by all accounts, he does. And we and then also, during the week, we spoke with Stephen Holder, who was on the show previously from the Atlantic, who said every time Carson Wentz comes into a press conference, he's wearing his mask. But they're the three marquee quarterbacks in the league that have come out publicly and said, I'm not getting the vaccine. You're right. Um, you know, you saw, we've all read, we've all watched the Rogers interview this week on the McAfee show, and he said, having witnessed the criticism those three quarterbacks got, I didn't want to go through it, and I didn't want to put up with it. So I felt, let them off. I'll find another alternative way of, let's be honest, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's, he's faked it, and he's he's put stuff out there, and we've all fallen for it. Like, we as fans have fallen for it, Packers fans have fallen for it, the league, but the league haven't fallen for it. That's the thing. The league come out this weekend very open. We knew he wasn't vaccinated. So that's why we really want to know is what are the league going to do about this? Because 18 grand financially per protocol, he's broken. So he's managing, he's, I imagine he's broken protocols time and time again. So God knows how much money he's going to, he's going to get fined. But it's irrelevant to him. The man is a millionaire, an astronomical millionaire. So Yeah, but there's a cap on what they can find the player. There's not a cap on what they can find the team. Well, I'm sorry, and, Mark, I was just going to come to that. So, so where does this lead the Packers? Because at some stage, I'd imagine they'd have to catch up with them and say, do you know what, we need to, we need to make an example of you here. And that, to me, involves taking picks off them in the next, year, next year's draft. Yeah, and, and look, don't worry, guys, I got my hair cut. But um, it's great because now I'm, you know, it's, uh, it, I'm fully immunised and there's people out there that say you should have hair, but... You know, I'm not going to concede to that woke culture that try to put pressure on you to actually have hair because I've read a load of stuff that I agree with 
um, and that just backs up my philosophy. So I'm going to ignore the 99% of other material out there that says I should have hair because that's just woke culture. That's just politics. And oh, I got advice from Ross Kemp about this as well because he's such an expert on healthcare. Oh, sorry, Joe Rogan, I meant to say. But, you know, the, the thing that annoys me about the McAfee... How to articulate this in the kindest possible way. I fully agree with Aaron Rodgers and the idea that everyone has the right to bodily integrity and to make determinations about what or what they should or shouldn't put into their body. I also personally believe that Aaron Rodgers needs to open a history book and see what's happened in relation to smallpox, polio, and other such threats to civilization where government-mandated vaccines or a statewide or nationwide vaccination program has actually saved millions of lives. I also believe when you get someone of Aaron Rodgers' stature that stands up there and gives an interview where he relies upon basic stupidity and logistical tautology backing up his facts of anything that stays, stays in his favor, he's going to rely upon and he's going to ignore the basic science, basic mathematics and everything else that is contrary to his particular viewpoint and floats out lines like, well... I started to get concerned about sterility, so I decided I didn't want it. Oh, well, I was decided about this, so I didn't want to get it. Oh, I'm allergic to one of the ingredients, and who knows what people are allergic to. And then blaming everything on woke culture, and again, turning the matter of national healthcare, whether you're in USA, Ireland, wherever you are in the world, this is not a political matter, and stop turning it into political football. Aaron Rodgers yesterday killed people. Full stop. He killed people because there are people because of that that will not get the vaccine, will not get the boosters, and they will die from it. And that to me is absolutely reprehensible. You're not a scientist. You're barely an intelligent individual. Shut up and do what you need to do. I mean, if he doesn't want to get it and he wants to let his team down, doesn't want to be a leader, as we said about Kirk Cousins, we said about Carson Wentz, that's his decision. That's fine. But don't try to defense it with quasi-intellectual argumentation, with nonsensical science and spoofery, and this whole idea that I'm immunized and I have special antibodies. Get a grip, basically. In terms of the game, the Chiefs have been appalling, minus 11 on the turnover difference. Um, Mahomes, I still kind of think he's going to get it back on track, but he's going against a tough Packers defense. And obviously, we're all interested to see what Jordan Love has to bring to the, the the party. And, you know, he's probably going to be the Packers quarterback in the future, given that Rogers' last Diva outbursts, et cetera. So uh, I'm going to take the Chiefs in the game. But frankly, Aaron Rodgers can go to hell. I was just going to make one final point, Michael. I know you're, you're going to give your pick now. But um, ultimately, in the long run, this is going to impact on the team and their potential opportunity to go to Super Bowl because... We're all, I, I assume we're all going to pick the Chiefs. And, you know, if they lose tomorrow, sorry, Packers lose in this game tomorrow. They're back to two losses. And it's a, you know, it's a competitive race for that four seed. And ultimately, you know, him not playing in this game, like I, I was picking the Packers all week long before all this came about. And I imagine most people would because the Chiefs have been so inconsistent. So what's going to come of it? I think what's going to come of it in the long run from a football point of view and a league point of view and the season is the, Chiefs, the Packers won't get them one seed. They'll end up having to go into Tampa. They'll end up having to go to LA or maybe into Arizona. And we've seen in the past where teams have beaten a team in the regular season, they don't beat them in the playoffs, as we saw last year with the Saints against the Bucks and the Arizona might turn them over the next time around. 
So I think it'll cost the team the long run, and they won't make the Super Bowl because of this. And I picked the Packers to go to the Super Bowl, but I think in the end, this will cause this will cause too much disruption, and they'll end up not making the Super Bowl. Gonna go first, there, Marcus. Uh, I was just gonna say, Michael, do, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King also backs up why I shouldn't have to have hair as well, because I might just want to invoke him in the argument. I again. People have, they, they, they make their own decisions, just stand over it. I think you are entitled to make your own decision. I will say that. I absolutely believe that you are perfectly entitled to make your own decision, but own it. Whatever that decision happens to be, whatever it is, stand up, say it, and then everyone's got to live with it, but that's what you got to do. Uh, just as Colin said, I'm a firm believer in the ability to make your own decision. Obviously, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers has done a, a, a copious amount of medical research because he's clearly an expert and he's a lot of money and he's paid people. Aaron Rodgers was, was in Hawaii for the last six months outside of the season playing with his contract. The issue that I have is he stood up there and lied to people. Um, I firmly believe in karma, big time, I, and I have no issue with Kirk Cousins or with Carson Wentz coming in and saying that I'm not vaccinated because they've actually stood up and said it. There's a good comment there from Brandon Stockman saying if Kirk Cousins done the same thing, uh, he would already have a suspension. I would go as far as saying if any other player in the league had done it, they'd be suspended by now. Uh, I am a firm believer in karma. There is no guarantee that Aaron Rodgers will play next week. Uh, and how ironic would it be if Jordan Love balls out against the Kansas City Chiefs? How ironic would it be? And I'm picking the Packers because I'll tell you why, boys. Forget about Aaron Rodgers. The Chiefs, lads. The Giants put up 17 points in them, and they only beat them by three. The Giants should have won that game. The Titans destroyed them. Like, do we need to go up? Philly scored 30 against them. The Bills scored 30 38 against them. They're not good enough. They're not good enough. Uh, they're lucky they've got a couple of, well, they're lucky the Broncos and the AFC West. Seriously, lads. Uh, even if Jordan Love doesn't play that well, he's got Aaron Jones. He's got a few options either side of him. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm taking the Packers. I think Jordan Love is sitting and he's laughing. We've seen the press conference today. Yes, I'm vaccinated. He is thinking, happy days. Here it is. Packers, uh, Jenny Money, I was picking them all week. I was just going to say two things. Sorry, two four, final points on this. Um, Rogers can't return until Saturday of next week. And they play the Seattle Seahawks next Sunday. And I know the Seattle Seahawks have gone off the cliff slightly, but it's speculated. And I don't think it's confirmed yet because we're not sure, but Wilson may be back for that game. So that's a different situation. If that's if that's Wilson and the Seahawks going in there, and he's only had a day to prepare, you know, he probably come out and he ball out and never do the same. You know, and like Colin said at the start of the season, sure we had a season last year where there was no off season and Brady still went and won a Super Bowl. So Rogers next week probably doesn't need to be with the team all week long. And then I think over the next few weeks you'll find teams that are disgusted by what's happened because players are in the league. You know, they probably look at this from the same light as we're looking at, and other fans and other teams media and say, I'm not happy the way Rogers has gone about this. He's underhanded. He's, you know, deceitful. And they'll be even more energized to go and beat him. So I think, as I said, I think ultimately it'll end up costing the Packers. And, you know, in a year where he's probably going to move on, it's probably the last chance and last chance to live for them to make the Super Bowl. And it, may, it might not happen in the end. As Neil, look, Neil is pretty much saying exactly what I'm touching on here. I think ultimately in the long run, it'll impact on the Packers. And he might have to present Jeopardy from now on. That is okay. what one one final final point 
Um, Because Tom Brady was right. COVID is having a bigger impact this year than it had last year. Mark, have you something you want to say? I I was just going to say, Michael, I mean, like, Aaron Rodgers had a couple of questions he put to everybody. And and the, the way in which he puts the questions, it strikes me that it raises other questions. Like, if... Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be the greatest quarterback in the NFL. How does he ever throw an interception? How does he ever throw an incompletion? You know, these types of questions should be put back to Aaron Rodgers in the same way he wants to put medical questions out there. But also the piece that resists on to me, just to share with everybody, the last one, okay, the last moan about this. Aaron Rodgers, in his interview with Pat McAfee, where in fairness, Pat McAfee at times, I think, was like barely holding it in as to his reaction to some of the things Aaron Rodgers was saying goes on about ivermectin and kind of points out and said, look, oh, it's been used so much in India and people should look into that more. Yeah, do you know what? If you look into that more, Aaron, you'll see it's actually been removed from any type of government guidelines on the treatment of COVID-19 and that it's actually not regarded as safe and not regarded as appropriate in their treatment of COVID-19. See what happens when you crack open a book or actually look into something in a bit of depth. Strange that. Um, 3,700 cases in the Republic today, 1,200 cases in, in, in NI yesterday. Uh, COVID's not going anywhere. I would actually speculate. I have no no affiliation to the NFL. I think it'll be mandatory to be vaccinated next season. I think Rogers needs to wise up, but everyone's entitled to their own opinion. I do think it will be mandatory. Sure, in America, they've got loads of jobs at the minute you have to be vaccinated. It is what it is. I'm vaccinated. I know people that have died of COVID. Everybody here knows somebody that's died of COVID. It's not a joke. But look, ivermectin, etc. Let, let's just move on. We can talk about that for a long time. Uh, I've hit the wrong button. We're not going to talk about Sunday Night Football. We're going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals going up against the resurgent 49ers after beating Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears last week. Yeah, um, I, I I thought the Bears would be uh, at least competent on defense. Um, they were not. And in fairness, the 49ers took advantage of it. Uh, and Jimmy G ran in uh, two touchdowns, um, maybe to make a point to his head coach about he could run as well. Uh, from what I see, Debo could potentially be out tomorrow but Kittle uh, should return. If both Debo and Kittle are playing, I think that's enormous. That's a huge boost for the Niners. If Debo is out, that's an enormous loss because he has been absolutely incredible for them uh, this year. For the Cardinals, is Murray fit? If he is, again, that changes things, but I don't think he is because given the way he limped off, and given that we kind of saw him in a boot, that would be my worry. Look, you saw Fields take advantage last week, and his mobility caused the 49ers kind of all sorts of problems. So if Murray was fit, I think he'd be able to to take advantage of that. The Cards defense has been playing really well. We talked about Vance Joseph being in the run for a head coach gig on the back of it, but the Packers were able to run on them. And if there's a team that can run on you, I imagine that the 49ers are certainly one of the teams that are up there. Um, the Ravens might be a- a- ahead of them. Um, the-, the Colts given Jonathan Taylor's form, and we'll talk more about that maybe on Monday, but the 49ers can run on you. That said, the cards could be sitting at 8-0 if 
AJ Green hadn't lost his bearings in the in the last second. Um, I saw a tweet that talked about it, the moment AJ Green decides to retire just before the final snap is taken. Uh, and Zach Ertz has been very good in his first two games. Ah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm torn on this, but I'm going to say Nick Bosa ruins Ky, uh, Kyler Murray's afternoon because I don't think my, Kyler Murray is fit. And I'm going to say that the 49ers get back to 500. Mute. Haven't had a chat with the uh, the matchbook guys this week. They, were, they called out the fact that an interesting nine moved very quickly. Having seen the cars as minus three favorites, they are now um, now gone. It's so swung, and the Niners are minus three favorites. And ultimately, it's all down to the fact that they don't think Murray is ready for this game. And it looks like it's a game time decision as to whether he plays. I think Debo Samuel is going to play. He's on he's on track now for nineteen hundred yards receiving this year, which is far and above any receiver in the league standout player. And I agree with Colin. Made a point. I think the Forty Niners are kind of in a situation now where they have to keep on winning. They won last week, as most of us expected them to do against the Bears. Um, that week, I think it was week five, week six, when they went into Arizona, I actually picked the Niners that day. They lost 70 and 10, and it only took a quarter, it took a touchdown with four minutes ago by Hopkins to put that game away. So they played them well. I think they played them well again. I think the Niners will win this game. Um, I think the cards have learned from last year. Last year, they went into a bit of a spiral, death spiral in the end, missing the playoffs towards the end. And the question is, like, how do you bounce back from that that loss? I mean, they're a good team. They're a consistent team. I think the, card, the 49ers still have a fundamental flaw in their secondary. The secondary isn't very good, and when it gets near the ball, it tends to give up pass interference penalties. And frankly speaking... The cards offense is too dynamic to uh, put up with that. I mean, the guys are right. The the 49ers can run the ball. It's great the Kittles come back. Um, Wilson's also come off in, injured reserve, so he can perhaps platoon with Elijah Mitchell there, who has been fantastic at the running back position, as Debo has at wide receiver. But they just have less weapons. Their defense, which was rounding into form a little bit more, has still been far from what was expected at the start. So I think... They and Washington have probably been the two biggest disappointments in terms of holistic defences this season, in terms of what we might have expected in the off-season. And, yeah, I still believe in the MVP at the halfway point, Kyler uh, Magic Man Murray, uh, to keep working his charms and weaving his wand around the place with his feet and with his arm. So, for me, I'm not ready to give up on the cardiac cards just yet and of course today guys uh, would represent uh, famous cardinals 45th birthday if he had still been alive um pat tillman uh, who actually did stand for something unlike another player who we were just talking about beforehand so uh you know worth commemorating and you know in his honor i'll go with the cards as well i'm taking the 49ers and the, the whole fact that i don't think Kyler murray is ready to play it looks as if Colin, you're away there. It looks as if Debo Samuel, as you said, Brian, is going to play. I do agree, Mark. The secondary is not great for the 49ers. But Jimmy G, boys, will run it in three or four times. 100 passing rate or 100 QB rating last week. Was it 300? 322 yards passing, albeit against the, the, the Browns. The Bears. I mean, Bears, yeah. Three and one against the Cards he is when he's played. Uh, having lost the only time he's lost was week yeah. one last year 
in a game which the 49ers were up by 17 points and they threw it away in the second half. So, yeah, divisional, has, game, divisional game as well. So it is always tough and tight. And we've talked about that NFC best. So it's, it's not are you ready though for the for, for the timestamp? 146 into this show, Jimmy G's back. He is on it, boys. He's gonna have an unbelievable game against the Cardinals this week. Three passing touchdowns, one rush touchdown. 49ers going four and four and pushing for a wild card spot, boys. Just just putting it out there. Uh, okay. Very quickly, before we look at Sunday Night Football, let's look at the betting angle now. Before we get into the betting angle this week, very important to mention that in the UK and in Ireland, it is Safer Gambling Week. To find out more information, you can go to safergamblingweek.org. There's the number for ROI, the number for NI. Um, yes, Matchbook Betting Exchange are proud to be involved with us, and we're delighted to be involved with them. Get a few yo-yos every week to put some money on. Brian, did the bet come up last week? No, unfortunately, Mark's Patriots ruined it. We were all good going into late games, and then those Patriots... Have gone against me, Brian. You shouldn't have gone against me. You were overruled last week, and uh, maybe we should have. Uh, some interesting notes they've sent in ahead of uh, this weekend's games. More kind of across the league before we actually give our bet of the week. So um, this one comes as a bit of a surprise to yourself, Michael and Colin. But the best back team this week across all the games, the Cowboys. Started out at eight and a half, went up to ten. I think it's dropped down to nine and a half. But uh, yeah, large majority of the money this week has come on the Cowboys to win and cover the handicap. Other notable moves which you touched on was the fact that the 49ers started off on Tuesday plus three points. That quickly moved to them being three-point favourites on the back of Kyler Murray's injury and I suppose the doubt around whether he will play. And they've actually seen, surprisingly enough for me, because I've said it's going to be a blowout, a huge chunk of money coming on the Texans. Colin must be down in the local bookie in Cork today putting all his money on the Texans plus five and a half points large sums of money going on the text. I can't, I, for me, I can't say it. And the matchbook, just to call it, because we haven't previously, the matchbook's two bets of the weekend. They all, um, they're very high on the charges, minus one and a half points. And they think the Bills will cover that 14 and a half points against the Jags, which I do too. So that's their two picks for this weekend, charges and Bills. Error picks is a four-team accumulator. Some overrumens here, unfortunately, guys. Um, not in the fourth one. We're all in sync, Cowboys to win. With the exception of Colin, we're all in sync that the Dolphins will win. And again, Michael, we're not all in sync on this one, but you're overruled. The Chiefs to beat the Packers. And I don't want to give too much away on the last game, but it's included in the bet because it's a part of Sunday Night Football. But there's one particular team that we're all going to pick, I hope for Sunday night football and they will finish off the bet. Cowboys, Dolphins, Chiefs and the winner of Sunday night football, which I believe will be the Rams. And then um, I might as well start off that game. That's okay with you. Uh, wait, wait, wait two seconds. Wait two seconds. Wait two seconds. No. What? What? No, go no. on. Sorry. Uh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. I was going to say, let's get a banker of the week each, like just our own personal one. I'm oh, sorry, the Cowboys yeah. brand. Uh, I'm actually going to say Cowboys, but if you're confident, folks, obviously gamble aware. I take the Cowboys minus 14 and a half, which means they'd have to win by 15 points to win that bet against the Broncos. Colm, I know you're not a betting man, but who's your banker of the week in terms of a team to win a game? Do you think? 
Yeah, definitely don't go with anything I say. Um, and it's not me putting <laughs> on the, the money unless it's large quantities of magic beans. Um, and can we also shout out uh, Michael's southern accent because uh, he does a, 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 a fairly fairly solid southern accent, I can say. Um, if you're asking me who uh, I feel probably most confident about uh, this this week, let's put it that way. Uh, the bills, the bills, the bills. Uh, all all day long, it's going it's going to be an awfully <clears throat> long day for Urban Meyer. Have you got Brad? I've had a sizable amount of change on a team from Monday. I followed up Once? with them on Tuesday. I followed up with them on Wednesday. I followed up with a few more quid on Thursday, and I followed up with a few more quid this evening. The Dolphins minus five and a half points against the Texans. You were saying earlier about mortgages and dogs and cats and dogs and babies. Yeah. Well, well I'll go <laughs> slightly different direction. I think the Bills and the Cowboys, unfortunately, are going to be prohibitively unbackable unless you take the spread on it. If we're just going straight up, I'll take the Bengals. Yeah. Okay. Close enough price in the market. I'll same you. Yeah. Absolutely. Big thanks to Matchbook and great to see Matchbook and other bookmakers getting involved with Safer Gambling Week. There are the details for ROI and NI. You can free phone any of them. SaferGamblingWeek.org. Obviously, folks, as always, please bet responsibly. Do not bet on something that you cannot afford. And yeah, thanks thanks to Matchbook. Uh, folks, let's let's move on. Move on. Sunday Night Football. Um, well, apparently we're all agreeing on this, so this won't take long. <laughs> Uh, the Titans six and two, Rams seven and one. Stan Kroenke calling me in a visit to the Emporium yesterday. Do you reckon he was telling Mister McVeigh to get uh, OBJ off to get Von Miller? Um, does Stan care about anything other than money? Arsenal. No, well, Arsenal is the bottom line at Arsenal, is it not? Is that not what uh, what every Arsenal fan would tell you? Um, look, that said. Uh, the, I, I, the only sad thing is that the clocks are changing um, again in America because I like I would love if this was an hour earlier make it much easier because I think this is going to be a cracking game it really should be and I I'm biased but like Von Miller in that defense with uh, with Aaron Donald Leonard Floyd. Like where Vaughn has really excelled is when he had DeMarcus Ware. And when he had DeMarcus Ware there, Vaughn was unstoppable. And that is what teams are going to have to figure out because how do you stop those three getting to your QB? And if, you're through, if your QB gets the ball away, well, Jalen Ramsey is in the secondary. So... They, they are frightening. It, it certainly is is the case. They're league leaders with 25 sacks, and then you add Von Miller to that. Um, and they're going up against a Titans team that has allowed 24 sacks. So the Rams have allowed seven, the Titans have allowed 24. And it's a Titans team without Derrick Henry. Um and that's uh, that's Derrick Henry with his 937 rushing yards, his 10 rushing touchdowns. Like I, they, I'm sure the Titans will raise their game, and they have some very very good players. And clearly, they play for Mike Vrabel. They play very hard uh, for Mike Vrabel. But Matthew Stafford has 22 touchdowns to four interceptions. He's over 300 yards. He's averaging over 300 yards a game. 
even even with the the Titans having an interception in their last five, even if they intercept him once, Cooper Cup is just play, playing uh, like it's Madden on easy mode. I think that the the Rams will will win this. Undoubtedly, like every NFL game, it'll be closer than we expect. But I am really excited to see what this Rams team can do with Sean McVay calling plays and with that defensive front. It should be absolutely fascinating. I said on Monday's show, I don't think there's any player in the league else in, in terms of outside of quarterbacks that is so so important to one team. You know, arguably he's the most prolific player in the league. I think Michael agreed with me on Monday. You know, my Derek Henry is he's key to this team in every in every way, shape, or form. They struggle offensively when he's not there. If you look at the stats, they're their worst team pass protection when they try to throw the ball. And ultimately that's what's going to happen in this game. They're going to have to try to win this game with Tannehill going down the field. McNichols was eight eight uh, carries for 28 yards. So he's like it's not existent. It's it's Derek Henry a bust, and they brought in Adrian Peterson, and I think they'll get a bit of a reaction out of Adrian Peterson. He played well for one or two games, but ultimately, in the long run, his legs will catch up with him, and it'll um, it won't work. I don't think it'll work. I mean, see, three or four weeks' time, he'll be blitzing two touchdowns per game, but can't see it. And then I just find this secondary for the Titans defense, they're still not at it. Two weeks, three weeks ago, the Bills put up a lot of points on them. You've got Jefferson, Cup, Woods. Stafford's got all these options. And I don't know how Von Miller's going to be even, you know, in this game or anyway, make an impact because I thought he died this week with the, with the amount of stuff I read on Twitter, you know. Uh, you know I, thought was, I thought he passed away, the amount of stuff that was on Twitter about the fact that he moved on. So Really? Yeah. Really? But that was... That You're was, going there. Absolutely. Okay. Must, it must be raw. must be raw. Um, uh, he'll have a quiet game because he won't, need to be, he won't need to be that effective because the Rams will win the counter. Uh, Colin said it, yeah, it'll probably end up being close because we don't expect it. Not for me, I think the Rams will blow them out. I, I don't think he died, Brian. I think he's having a siesta and a party and a excitement. He's gone from the doldrums of the league into a Super Bowl contender. So for Von Miller, it's nothing but gravy. But um, look, Harold Landry deserves a bit of a, a, a mention in this regard. Eight and a half sacks for the Titans. The only problem for Harold Landry is like, I think he's on track for the Titans franchise record for sacks is he's about the only one that seems to be turning up on that defense. Um, to illustrate how bad they are in the secondary is they are giving up the league's worst uh, amount of yards to wide receivers. You wouldn't think that's a problem, except the fact they're going up against the Rams who are getting the most yards from their wide receivers in the league out of any of the teams altogether. And obviously Cooper Cup being such a key part of that. I mean, Whatever happened with Cooper? It's turned into such a cool name, like Cooper Rush, Cooper Cup, Cooper Manning. Surely he'll make an appearance on Eli and Peyton's show. Um, or in the stands for uh, the third generation Manning, obviously, coming through the ranks. Um, who can uh, run? They have created a Manning who can run. <laughs> People should be terrified. Can you imagine that draft for that draft? Sorry, Mark. Can you imagine that draft when it comes around? The hype leading up to when he's picked. Good golly. Um, um, was it the T2000? I'm trying to think Robert Patrick in Terminator 2. Uh, you know, that's that's what they've created. It's an evolution on the original. Uh, it, it truly is the, the, the next step. What, what could you add to a Manning? Legs. 
and my god it looks like arch has them yeah he, he arch manning um for me watching like his high school games are being televised he's <clears> going to be the number one recruited quarterback in the country does he go to tennessee like his uh, famous uncles or where does he go will be closely monitored um as a broncos but, fan arch is playing the best uh, qb play that i've seen in five years at high school <laughs> Um, the only downside of all of this is obviously the Rams with their move for Von Miller. Like, there is all in and there is all in. I mean, it's it's sad to announce to the audience, obviously, we, we had Sean McVay lined up to come on for five minutes tonight and talk to us. But unfortunately, he was too busy trading his 2025 picks um, to be able to join us this evening. I mean... Yeah, if this doesn't work for the Rams, it's going to be 10 years almost before they have a number one pick and a number two pick. It's a different method of team building. It seems to be working for them. And God knows if you said to somebody at any point in the last even 10 years, hey, I've, I've got this idea about having Aaron Donald and Von Miller in the same team. Um, quarterbacks, be afraid. Be very, very afraid. Rams on this all day, every day. Even with all day on the other side, all day, every day, the Rams. Yeah, taking all your draft picks and getting into a win now strategy. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out for them. Uh, look, I like I like what they're doing. If you look at their team, they've brought in so many guys. They still have that core there. Where I, I honestly, boys, like they're doing it right. I actually think they're doing it right. Time will tell. I'm still picking the right. Okay, let, let's just get this out of here very quickly. I'm picking the Rams to get to the Super Bowl in LA. I think as of right now, they will win the Super Bowl in LA. They've got a great team. But did you watch the Colts against the Titans last week? The way that Tennessee came back into that game, even with Henry being injured, was admirable. And there's one factor that we haven't even considered yet. And we talked about Derrick Henry coming into this game. Sorry, not being in this game because he's injured out for the season by the looks of it. God willing, he's not as a neutral NFL fan. But bring it in this guy, boys. Adrian Peterson, uh, I'm ready to roll back the clock. I'm ready to roll back the clock. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens. The Titans, everyone's no, well, nobody's really given them a chance. I'm going to take Adrian Peterson to rush for 95 yards with a touchdown, and the Titans shock the Rams six and two. The Titans are six and two, boys. They have a chance against the Rams in so far. I'm picking the Titans to win some of that football. Ryan Tannehill's going to do well. When you can AJ Bryan and Julio on that defense. Of course, we've got a chance. The Rams don't score any more than 18 points. Uh, number five all-time in NFL yards. I think number four all-time in rushing touchdowns. He needs like 100 more to get to four. What's that? He only needs like 100 more yards to get to four or something, yeah. Yeah, uh, Yeah. the only problem for everybody is it's not, you know, it's the multiples are seven. It's not 2007. It's not 2014 even. It's 2021, and there's too many... Years and miles on the clock. It makes for a great game. In fairness, it's a for for Sunday night football. You know, Colin made a great point. You know, you wish it was you know last week's one because last week's one was a disaster. You know, we don't get very you know great opportunities where the clock works in our favor for a quarter past twenty past twelve game to start, and it'd be the Vikings Cowboys. You're expecting so much for it to be such a disappointing game. I don't think this game tomorrow night will be the case. I think it'll be exciting enough. Um, and then Monday night's game. game. And then Monday night's game would be exciting, won't it? Bears Steelers. 
Very exciting. The last thing I'll say, Brian, is the Titans' last thing will hit King Henry on the field was 2015. When was Henry drafted? <laughs> 2016. So I'm I'm putting it all out. The Rams are going to get beat against like the Rams will go seven and two, and they'll still fly through it, boys. Don't worry. We're going to finish off this show with a small bit of news. Well, it's not really a small bit of news because it's some really really important news for the growth of the game on the island of Ireland. Here is the announcement. Estimated crowd of 45,000 here at Croke Park in Dublin under the lights to cheer on Navy and Notre Dame from the five. Hollis rolling left. He's got a man wide open. Rip Levitz, the tight end, touchdown. With you live from Dublin in Aviva Stadium. Touchdown, Notre Dame, Theo Riddick. That was lovely. That was absolutely lovely. Navy are going to play Notre Dame in August 2023 at the Aviva Column. Notre Dame giving up a home game is unprecedented and great to see the growth for this country, both North and South. Yeah, look, I, I went to my first gay college game in, in 1991 in, in Limerick, the, the Wild Geese Classic. So I love college football in Ireland. I've been to each of the Notre Dame, Notre Dame games, Notre Dame, Notre Dame Dames, um, and I will definitely be at this one. It, it should be a classic. Notre Dame always bring um, an incredible crowd and it, it's kind of a week-long festival in Dublin. I expect more of the same when they come over in 2023. And it's great, just great to have college football in Ireland. And really looking forward to it. We know what happened the last time Notre Dame came and uh, the season that they had afterwards. So could it be something similar? Excited, Brian? I am, yeah, but I don't want it to be lost, you know, in all the publicity and all this, you know, the hype around this game is the fact that next year we also have a really good, interesting game coming up, which is Northwestern against Illinois. And we touched on it when we were fortunate to record within the Aviva that that game next year has a potential to be a great game. It was an exciting one when the game obviously got moved back to the States earlier on in the season. So we're fortunate that we've got a game next year to look forward to. And But look, yeah, the Notre Dame coming, coming over to Ireland is fantastic. It's fantastic for the country, you know, in terms of the economy and obviously the you know the publicity around the game and the people coming over it's going to be good and when i saw 2023 the first thing that went popped into my head was it's another year close to my retirement so that's that's another great thing that i'll get to celebrate that day well, well i mean you you say that brian i mean i remember being at the notre dame game in 2012 i wasn't at the 1996 one i was too young for that but i mean surely you were probably there i was mark i was i was I'm 18. Sure. I was but um <laughs> It's fantastic to have them back. It's fantastic to see continuation of college football in Ireland. Uh, that game in 2012 was, as Brian's alluded to, it was a great atmosphere, great carnival, a lot of people coming over to explore and see the whole island of Ireland, visit uh, routes and family connections and things like that. But as well as that, these are, you know, the Navy obviously with the armed services, but also Notre Dame and the historic background, they've both produced amazing players that have subsequently gone on to the NFL. I mean, you think on the Notre Dame side, people like Joe Theismann, Joe Montana, of course, and even on the Navy side, Roger Staubach, one of the 
the greatest uh, Cowboys quarterbacks of all time. Obviously, a couple of times Super Bowl winner there as well. So fascinating uh, experiences, fascinating connections with the professional game longer term. But just great uh, to see college football back here. And huge congratulations and gratitude to everybody involved in that in making it happen. Absolutely. And the game. Sorry, Brett Collins, go ahead. Mark just saying he he wasn't old enough in 1996. Were, were you were you like shackled? Or did you need a chaperone to, to go out uh, until you were like in your twenties? I hadn't even I hadn't even done the junior sir at that stage, Colin. Now, okay. just to be very clear, just so we're very clear, when that game got played in 1996, I'd already done my leaving cert. I just finished my leaving cert. I was, was a, I was five years old. It was so. a good year. I actually was at the United Liverpool. Where's Fred when you want him? I was at the United Liverpool Cup final, Canton scored the winner. It was a good... Now, it, 1991, it, and I was screaming at, re, at refs to throw flags down in Limerick. Yeah, 19, 1991, the only games I was allowed to go to would have been Wexford Cork in about the four times replayed National Hurling League final. You should, you should have heard me ranting about the Texans in 1991. Look, guys, as, as we touched... Sorry, as we touched on last week, last week when we were celebrating a one-year anniversary, I was watching NFL games when Michael was in God's pocket, as my late mother used to say. Happy days. And the amount of people that have messaged, both us, myself, you, you boys, well, talking about this game, everyone's really pumped for it. And Brian, you're spot on. you got that Northwest and Nebraska game as well. There is a pre-seal going on this week. Uh, for that, for more information, you can visit collegefootballireland.com. Uh, and sign up for more information. But I think the big thing for the Arlingas College Football Classic is it's much more than a game. We're very excited to do maybe maybe something from Dublin next year. Let, let's see what happens. But uh, fantastic news. And, like, you know, the sky's the limit for Dublin, boys, when you have the Aviva and you have Croker. So uh, congratulations to College Football Ireland, the whole team behind the corporate. And we're looking forward to the game in 2023, which will be shown on NBC and is the kickoff to the college football season. Yeah, hoping hoping Michael might get Mike Taroko, Drew Brees, a couple of the, the boys over for uh, Mate, uh, a, a few Mike, scoops. Uh, Mike Tarico was in Port Rush, and I couldn't find him for three days. I tried to find Mike Tarico for the Open, couldn't get him at all. And this this is the man that isn't too hard to spot whenever you see TV crews and stuff. Couldn't find him at all. But look, it's gone. It is what it is. You, you, awesome. You're making yourself just... sound like a little bit of Glenn Close and facial attraction there, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. He's not so. going to remember that. A, co a couple of things, Michael. Um, I, I really think uh, this weekend is uh, a fascinating weekend of, of football. Uh, for the most part, every game has some sort of intrigue to it. And given the fact that I have picked the Texans and you've all picked the Dolphins, at least that adds something to that. Um, and secondly, yeah. and finally, um, big shout out to um, a good, our, our friend Ron, who won Broncos Fan of the Year. Uh, kudos to, to Ron. Uh, Well-deserved. Well and uh Two tickets to the Super Bowl, uh, which should be uh, a good one. So uh, kudos to, to Ron for that and uh, well, well deserved. And yeah, no I mean, can about I just pass on my congratulations to Ron as well. I mean, anybody who has to watch every minute of the Broncos play football deserves any award they can possibly get. So congratulations to him. I hope I hope Ron Atkinson is, is will be still alive to, to accept that prize and make it over to the, to the Super Bowl. Um, 
Do you want to mention touch on the Owen Heaty point there, Michael? Or yeah, you? Owen, uh, I picked the Chargers. Uh, I think we all picked the Chargers, didn't we? I'm not no, sure. no, the no. secret Eagles fan in the, in the top there's, no, oh, there's no secret. I just, I just <laughs> think the Eagles are an exciting team. But I will say also to, to Mark, I remember, Mark, if we go back a few months and we had one of the greatest defensive minds ever on the show, which is Wade Phillips, and you said, I think you hit Tom Brady 19 to 24. Uh, and he, I, he I, 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 I'm with you. I'm with you, Colm. I said 22, and he was like instantly 25, 25. That's how it many was, times we hit. It was a That's wonder. Like... It was a wonderful moment that uh, that game at Mile High. I'm glad you mentioned Wade Phillips. I saw he's touching on tonight. His coach, and when he coached for Wade Phillips, it reminds me of that divisional round uh, champ, uh, playoff game in 2007. I think I'm going to go and watch that one where the Giants went in to Dallas and upset. The Cowboys from Wayfields was the head coach, and Jerry left those championship tickets on each player's bench before the game. Not to be uh, allegedly, Brian. Allegedly. Oh no, come on! That's the that's come the on. word you need to use. I mean, like Jerry Jones do something like that now, would it? Just uh just to, just to finish off, a shout out to Ron. Uh, Brian is talking about uh, a football manager, Ron Atkinson. He's not talking about you, so uh, hope he didn't cause any offense. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, like somebody in America is not going to know And, and Jerry, Jerry, if you want to invite the uh, Irish NFL show to Jerry's world, we would be immensely grateful. We would absolutely take you up on that. All of us will happily go to Dallas. Yeah. Indeed. Wade Phillips should be in Pro Football Hall of Fame. I completely agree. Wade Phillips is in Germany at the minute. Maybe we'll get him on on Monday night. Who knows? Back at nine o'clock on Monday night to look ahead to what promises to be the game of games. Ben Roethlisberger against Justin Fields. I am looking forward to it. Is that us? Yeah. That, that actually should be a great game. And I, Wade Phillips I, I'm, I'm is incredible and should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah. No, no. Agree, agreed on that as well. Unfortunately, I won't be with you guys on Monday night, as I said, for work commitments. But, uh, you know, I'm devastated about that piece in terms of, let, you know, missing the Bears-Steelers build-up. But, uh yeah, Wade Phillips has had a great career as defensive coordinator. Not so much as head coach, but I he's, an under, he's an underrated head coach. Just, if just you, if you compare him to some others, and Brian taught, like if Jerry Jones doesn't pull that stunt, who knows what might have happened? No, no okay. other way to motivate it. Enough saying because it joins. No other way to motivate a team, an opposing team, with that stunt. And um, just for one final point. I'm looking ahead to Monday's show because uh, we discussed him earlier on in the show. The man here now on Monday will be finding a new team. The waiver war starts at 9 p.m. our time. So when we come on live, we probably will be breaking the news of where his next team is. Hopefully he's, hopefully he's returning home come Monday evening. And, and before Brian breaks into a rendition of Three Lions, I think that probably is it. <laughs> yeah. I picked Lads, just to finish off, I picked the Giants this week, so anybody accusing me of bias now can, can go. I didn't pick the Bengals either. Uh, IrishNFLshow.com slash fan club. Because we're two hours and 13 minutes in, I can say this, not publicly, we will have a pre-sale link for that Northwestern Nebraska game going out on Thursday if you sign up. Thanks to everybody that signed up. I never said that. That didn't happen. Maybe that could be the end of the show. Uh, but until Monday night, lads, appreciate it. Enjoy week 29. 24 hours until Sunday night football. Enjoy, Thanks. everyone. Cheers, folks. Uh, Enjoy the games, guys. See you later. Yeah.